adventure climbing on the mountainside welcome everyone to february 3rd 1989 in the legacy series it is the bradley center milwaukee wisconsin it is the second edition of the main event and i have to say i am barely uh i barely made it to the podcast today work is back in full swing i don't have internet i just sat down i have not had a chance to really let the thoughts go through my mind but with all that said we may well be sitting at and about to talk about one of the greatest hours of professional wrestling and professional wrestling history for my taste and i think about uh class this week i'm trying to infuse on some ideas in positive psychology because every year it seems like the anxiety of the students that I see is higher, higher, greater, greater. And I don't want to be one more person that contributes to that. I don't want to be one more person that puts undue pressure on them because of my own self and my own uh, worldviews. So I'm trying to find a way to actually enable people and ask them to rise to the occasion in a way that works for them. And one of the quotes that stood out to one of the students is that people don't want good feelings. They want to feel like they've earned good feelings. And I think about that when it comes to wrestling and storytelling as well. I don't just want a good story. I want to feel like I've earned a good story. I want to feel like the wrestlers involved have earned a good story. It is the difference between what we're calling right now and dead wrestler is in hell or CM Punk and Paul Bearer or Stephanie, Stephanie and Triple H in every WrestleMania where 20 security guards have to separate people because I just hate these people because it's March of this year. Yeah, they're hitting all the emotional buttons They're They're throwing in all the things that are supposed to make you feel something, but they haven't earned it. They haven't built stories with nuance, with reality. That go and go and go. You can't stop and start history. Stop and start history and think that it's going to translate. What we're about to watch when the mega powers explode after everything we've been through, after everything they've been through, after everything Randy Savage and Miss Elizabeth and Hulk Hogan have been through. I equate it to doing WCW The Legacy Series. And that episode where the NWO comes out and they just wipe out the roster and we just watch. There's no rustling. There's there's uh, there's EMT. There are wrestlers who may not even like each other helping wrestlers. And what you have is continuity and story. Things that have been overlooked, swept under the rug, have gone on too long finally explode to the point you can't just have wrestling as usual. Have you watched Randy Savage the last six months? Did you not know something was coming? There's going to be people who pretend like it's not happening. And I'm going to argue they're not doing it for the mega powers. They're doing it for Hulk Hogan. But what you have here is an episode where, again... From someone who loves wrestling in my wrestling, there does come a time once in a while where the ring almost becomes offensive. Because if you think the only time 
people are going to be working out their energies is in the official state of a match in the ring, then you haven't seen a story develop for a calendar year. There are so many layers. There are so many nuances. There are so many things to discuss. And I'm going to tell you something right now. If I could just work a job and it actually would be about the job I get hired for and there'd be meaning and it matter, I could live a simple and pleasing life. But you know who the enemy of the mystic is? It is the fucking mundane. It is things that don't matter always clouding out what can matter in every area of life. I don't know how it gets in. I don't know how it dominates. But somehow the only thing that can't matter is the thing that matters, the thing that we're here for. That's life. That's sometimes storytelling. But right now we are sitting in a time in professional wrestling where the mundane was kicked out the door. This is why this is one of the top two errors I think I've ever seen in my life in professional wrestling from what I've viewed. It all matters. It's all got so much meaning that when you peel away a layer, it only means more beneath it. That's what we're going to try again to do today. Miz Fan has dropped again some amazing bonus footage. It is different than maybe anything we've done on the show so far. So let's get in it, ladies and gentlemen. The hype is back. Grab your shovel. The unearthing continues. I am the mystic and I'm joined by my friend and co-host by God. My learned colleague, Mr. Ms. Fan, the brain. Greetings, Ms. Fan fans. Welcome indeed to the second edition of the main event, February 3rd, 1989. My first birthday and a great birthday present indeed. I was given and I didn't even know it at the time because I was a stupid one-year-old baby and I didn't even know about wrestling. This episode is going to be great. This is an episode that is going to be all killer, no filler. Everything on this episode I am excited to talk about. I don't even know if that ever happened before. It helps there's only like four things to talk about, but you know what? Those four things are awesome. I'm excited. You heard the great introduction, so you should be very excited as well. The Mega Powers are blowing up, but that is not the only relationship that is being fractured. That is not the only great story that is happening. Whew, there's going to be some good stuff on here. Yeah, you hit it right in that it's like four things we're covering. And that's, again, another praise because the main event itself is not a long show, so they only have one thing that's not Mega Powers related, and that is a good thing because if they tried to have three or four things going on it would not have worked and then we'll just get into it and I, you know i'll let you kind of go whichever way you want to go because what i got uh in my uh inbox from Ms. Van is about um i don't know 13 or more i don't even know bunch of time stamps for a prime time wrestling like what in the world is he up to <laughs> Uh, and I also included a message that you may not understand at first why we're doing this, because it exposes uh, both of us to a guy we're not particularly fond of, one Red Rooster, a.k.a. Terry Taylor. But I said, trust me, there'll be a reason, and that reason, uh, I think, I hope, is uh, well worth everything that we might have seen here. I like best about this. that Again, it's Red Rooster, it's primetime wrestling, and yet... The devices are the same as the Mega Powers, the same as Hogan Andre, 
It is, again, it's not good guy, bad guy. It is narratives building, habits building, behaviors building to the point that they do not work on the same screen and something has to give. And my God, something is going to give uh, in this primetime episode in a way that is going to exceed the boundaries of what I would have expected to see. And I'd have a lot of questions. We're going to talk about a lot of this is going to be an episode about integrity because I have a questions about a lot of people's integrity as the show goes on. <laughs> those are very fair questions indeed. All right, let's get into it. Let's go uh, chronologically as we do. The first thing, as we have alluded to, is an episode of Primetime Wrestling, January 16. If you're going to watch along, and I really encourage that you do here, uh, look for the host segments. Um I may be able to post those timestamps somewhere if I still have them. But uh, if not, you can just uh, sort of fast forward a little bit through the network, and uh, I promise you'll be able to find it all. So we come to the primetime studio. We've got Gorilla Monsoon. We've got Bobby Keenan. But this week there is a third chair set up in the studio. Keenan uh, grills Monsoon about it, of course, and we learn that Gorilla Monsoon has promised he is going to bring the Red Rooster, onto Primetime Wrestling as a guest host this week. This on the very heels, only days after Rooster uh, slaps Heenan, after he beats up Heenan and uh, leaves his employ. So so we see this is a little bit of an aggressive action on Gorilla Monsoon's part, and Heenan takes it as such. Heenan threatens to walk out because he says the Red Rooster is scum. He calls him a limited human being and says he couldn't even handle constructive criticism so we're off to a good start here absolutely shout out to anyone who's in a polyamorous relationship that includes three people because <laughs> pro wrestling teaches us that the third person is a very difficult handle it doesn't matter if it's the third man at bash at the beach in 1996 it doesn't matter if it's a uh triangle of love which we will be introduced to later in this show or it can be an empty seat on a show and this is why these characters, characters have to know who they are. They have to know what they're about. And the anxiety of Bobby Heenan and maybe the guilt of Bobby Heenan and the relationship with Gorilla Monsoon when he sees that third chair, it might be worse than the fact that his worst enemy would be right there because he kind of knows something bad is going to happen. But yet we have to watch it play out. We have to watch him guess. We have to watch his behavior get worse. We have to watch Gorilla Monsoon laugh about it. We have to watch Gorilla Monsoon suggest that he can leave. There's going to be a lot that's going to go on. But it's all going to begin with a question at the beginning of the show. What's with the empty chair? <laughs> oh, the relationship of Hina Monsoon is uh, endlessly interesting to me. You compared it to... Uh, a couple that can take on third members, and I think that may not be completely incorrect in this instance. In any instance, um, we've talked about how they can be playful, how they actually like each other, but we see there's, um, uh, I don't even know, like there's an aspect to their relationship that is very antagonistic, and we see it right here because uh, Monsoon tells Eden, by your contract, you can't even leave if you want to. You have to kind of sit here and um, suffer through what I arranged for you, or you're going to be fired off of this show, you know, and, uh, he didn't, 
is uh, he says he's worried. He says maybe the Red Rooster will attack me, which you will see is a a piece of foreshadowing that you might not expect. And uh, we even have Monsoon. This is great, too, because it's never just one thing. It's not in a bubble, because Monsoon is also talking about, oh, well, maybe I'll bring Damien on the show also. Maybe there'll be a little green bag somewhere. And that also is to torture Heenan to make him uneasy and to make him uh, uncomfortable in his own environment. Yeah, he he alludes to Damien might already be there under the desk right now. (laughs) So, Gorilla's very... um, You can tell the way that they are playing on each other, and Gorilla Monsoon is very smug at times in this episode, and he's very innocent at times in a way, deceptively so. He's like, why can't I have a guest smiling? And then Bobby Heenan will eventually say, I'm not going to sit here and have him put his hands on me. And Gorilla Monsoon then turns to the audience and says, sit back and relax, grab a sandwich. So there's a kind of a play on that sit. I'm not going to sit here, sit back and relax. So it's, it's almost as if everybody who is not Bobby Heenan is going to have a better time because Bobby Heenan is not. <laughs> and uh, on the part of Monsoon, I mean, he's, he's torturing his friend a little bit here, but uh, the more you watch primetime, the more these things unfold because you will see that Bobby Heenan will also bring guests on the show without uh, asking mm. Gorilla Monsoon, people that will bother him. So the tables turn sometimes. There's an element of comeuppance. It's an interesting dynamic. It is. I've honestly, before this segment is over, I don't know at times how I feel about Gorilla Monsoon, and I don't know how I feel about Bobby Heenan. You know, this is stuff that I have to actually walk myself through because at best, right now, it feels like one of those relationships where it's like we can do anything we want to to each other because we are, you know, we care about each other, but nobody else can do anything to us. Mm. And then, you know, the boundaries get will be exceeded in ways that we'll wait for it. But like, I, I look forward to hearing your opinion about who you believe, what you believe and what you don't believe, because I am still making up my mind about some things that will happen on this episode. I'll say right now, and I won't jump ahead, but uh, some lines are crossed here that I, I never expected to be crossed. I was shocked when I saw mm. this play out the first time. Um, we're going to see yes. some things happen here that never happen any other time or place, I think. So we'll get to that in a minute. But I do want to point out, and this is also foreshadowing something we'll talk about later, before Red Rooster shows up, Bobby Heenan is on this show speaking some truths that we will learn for certain are truths very soon. He says that Randy Savage cares more about Elizabeth than he does about Hulk Hogan. You can see that from Saturday night's main event when he came out to help Liz and not Hogan. And Monsoon has like the most convoluted justifications for that. He's like, Oh, he didn't want Hulk Hogan to be disqualified. And he says, well, he was, there was a disqualification anyway, and says, uh, Monsoon has reasons for that, too. He says it's Heenan's warped point of view, and uh, we will see this recur as well, where this babyface brigade will, will shame and deny and uh, attack any opinion that is about the mega powers that is not that they are in harmony. And we will see that all those defenses are completely false before the end. They are, there is some disgusting coverage of the mega powers on this episode. And I think sometimes when you feel like, oh, you're, I'm living in the time with the most dishonest journalism in the history of journalism. Well, guess what? Watch Vince McMahon and Gene Erkland in the 80s because, uh, 
and it can't be worse. It might be able to be just as bad. And Gorilla, at least listening to what you say, at least that sounds like a defense of the mega powers because I'm going to at least make an argument or a suggestion uh, with Gene and Vince McMahon that that their defense has zero to do with the mega powers, 100% to do with Hulk Hogan and an attempt to frame Randy Savage when things go down. Yeah, of the babyface trio um, that we have of Monsoon, Okerlund, and Vince. So I think we all agree Monsoon is the yes. most reasonable of them. My God, yeah. This is this, not only is this a great segment that you have sent, but it fits so well with the, with the episode. And it's just you can't do this kind of character development without firmly established characters. So, mm, so again, a shout out to all these uh, long-standing characters in the 80s WWF. Indeed, it's a primetime wrestling where they would touch uh, on almost every story that would happen in the company. Um, one of the best things I did as a wrestling fan was watch through all the primetime wrestling I could find, all the host segments that I could get my hands on. It's truly, truly one of my biggest pleasures in wrestling. It, it's, it's so great. Gorilla Monsoon, now this is a little more Gino Gorland and Vince McMahon, but it's, it's been done towards Bobby, which changes the, the Gorilla dynamic, but... Uh, he calls uh, Miss Elizabeth the most successful manager in the history of the World Wrestling Federation. <laughs> I mean, uh, simply by the measurement that she managed a world champion, I suppose. Although uh, I feel like there's some pre-Hogan world yeah. champion, but they don't exist anymore. You know, Arnold Scaland or whoever, they, they're not important now. So, Absolutely not. And it's a double, like if you're watching it, you know it's double, it's double meaning, double layered because... Not only is Liz the greatest manager because she's managed a world champion, or where would Bobby Heenan fall considering that he can't manage champions at all? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, and it's one thing to beat someone up, but these are side punches when you've already got the man. Like this is like asking for a five count and still pulling him up at four. What they're doing to Bobby Heenan on, on this episode? <laughs> they really rub it in, uh, indeed. So uh, Terry Taylor does come on the show, the Red Rooster, as he demands to be called. He says he's going to keep that name. And I never saw two people uh, argue about who owned such a stupid name before. Yes. But, uh, they both want to own the name Red Rooster for some reason. Uh, Heenan puts on sunglasses, um, apparently so he won't get punched, I would assume. Uh, he, he, he's very worried about this. He doesn't want to interact with anybody because they are not treating him well. Gorilla Monsoon promises there will be no physical action, which is a promise to remember. Monsoon, uh, he wonders if Bobby Heenan is going to uh, give an apology. Heenan is very offended by this and said, hey, I gave Red Rooster special treatment because I felt sorry for him. So seems at this point that there's no apology forthcoming. Absolutely. This is... It builds and it builds and it builds and like good storytelling. There's like moments of relief where, you know, it'll be funny. It'll be Bobby Heenan will have his back to the thing or have the glasses on. Or there'll be a moment of relief that maybe they'll have a conversation. Or maybe it's just Gorilla talking to the Red Rooster. But then it's going to build back up again and again. And yeah, they argue about the name Red Rooster. I don't know who wins that argument considering that they both want that name. That didn't make a lot of sense, but this is what happens, folks, when it gets petty. You're fighting over everything. Every single thing has to go. And maybe it hasn't had value forever, but now we're fighting over it. Girl of Monsoon, just sitting back, laid back. We're just doing our job. It's just another episode of Primetime Wrestling. I, I don't even understand the hostility here. 
That's a great point. There's a certain amount of realism to uh, fighting over even a stupid name like that in a breakup such as this. Yeah. And uh, I like that you mentioned that with Monsoon because here we even have Bobby Heenan um, calling him out on it. He basically calls him out and says, you know, you're enjoying this a lot. You, you're really mm. trying to stir the pot here. So uh, we see that Monsoon and Gene Okerlund are friends for a very good reason. Absolutely. Uh, he didn't have his back turned to the camera with all that merchandise on the wall. Girl, Monsoon says, oh, you can look at the Hulkamania hand. And he says, yeah, one finger sticking up. I got uh, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, God, so good. Yeah, I love that because it's still like he doesn't even he doesn't say enough. But you know what he's going to say, yes. and it's still good for the kids, but you know it, too, as an adult. It's great. It's like um, it's like, like the best of Pixar or something. Like That's that's the yes. level of quality you get in this era. It's just very clever. I, I, I was saying that the other day. When shows had to kind of have a code, like the, the, the amount of creativity that had to come out of it. There's so many smart things like that you would never know that you got to figure out how to say. I think... Old shows like I watched the Dick Van Dyke show when I was a kid because we would watch like Nickelodeon and, or Nick at Night and it would have like older shows and there's things that you never would get at one age and then you watch but you still enjoy it and then another age it's like a second watching of it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Great. This will all be gone in ten years. There will not be nuance and there will not be like metaphor. It will all just be you know straight straightforward. Yeah, I mean 1999. They're not gonna make a coy comment about the middle finger. You know they're gonna no. show it a hundred thousand times. So you yes. know, take your pick which you prefer. They both have some value, I guess. Um, yeah. All right, we got to get down to to the big moment here. To one of these exci- inciting incidents that we've talked about, which are, in my opinion, the best thing about this era. And this one. Ooh, like I said, this one shocked me. It took my breath away. It still kind of did when I watched it again. So so Bobby Heenan, he comes out and he says, and this is this is important. I, I, I don't know if I, I got this um, in the timestamps or not, but he uh, they're watching a match and in the commercial breaks, like they come back to the studio for a minute and they do a little blurb. And, and Bobby Heenan's not here for this one. He's off in the, the bathroom, they say. And when he comes back, they're like, wow, you're in the bathroom for like 20 minutes. You know, what's wrong with you? So he, he, he denies anything is um, weird. You think maybe you just didn't want to see the match or something. Uh, but we learned maybe maybe he was off making a certain plan. I don't know. We'll, we'll decide that as we go on. Anyway, he is changing his tune a little. He says, maybe I did act too hastily. Maybe I was wrong. Gorilla Monsoon is about knocked off his chair to hear this. He admits he made a mistake. He, he apologizes. He says we, we should just go our separate ways. Monsoon, that's that's even still not quite good enough for Monsoon. He's like, oh, well, why don't you shake his hand also? He pushes Bobby Heenan to do that. Oof, man, we're right on the edge of something, but I, I'm going to pause if you want to jump in here. No, nah, this was this was astonishing for me because as it builds, you start to know what's going to happen. But when Bobby Heenan first starts doing it, like, I, I, I know he can't be sincere, but I also don't know that he's not. Like, is it that he is so afraid of what's going to happen? That it's a compromise? Is he trying to trick him? Is maybe, is he thinking like, hey, I can get him back? Is he just trying to get Red Rooster to concede and then he's going to take back his concession? Like, so many things are going through my head. And as we get to what's going to happen... The funny thing is, I don't know if we could have easily got there without Gorilla Monsoon because, Mm. you know, it's one thing to apologize, but 
the Red Rooster is buying none of it. So every step they take is only made by Gorilla Monsoon telling the Red Rooster, he never does this. You might want to take him up on this. This is not normal. So Gorilla Monsoon is leading them to the place that they can physically uh, shake hands and be in the same space, which is going to begin something. So it's so strange that it takes all three of them to get into it, and it will involve all three of them when we get there. It is, and I think to some extent, well, to some extent, it's Monsoon just stirring the pot, like Keenan said, yeah. but to some extent, Monsoon is relying on the structures of primetime wrestling, because this is a show where physical activity does not occur, ever, ever, ever. You know, nobody fights on primetime. There's no violence in the studio. Gorilla Monsoon has promised that that's going to be so, and Gorilla Monsoon's whole thing is like, whatever he says goes, basically. Mm. Um so he, he's putting a lot of uh, faith in something, and it, it makes sense because it's something that's always been true. But today, oh, man. All right. So, whew, all right. So Heenan shakes hands with the Red Rooster, but as their hands are clasped, Bobby Heenan yanks him over the desk, slaps him in the face. Chaos begins to break out. Monsoon says, why are you doing that? He, he starts to get up. He tries to break them apart. And then Steve Lombardi, who's been in the WWF for many, many years, basically just as a jobber here, looking different, sporting a new name that we will know, which is the Brooklyn Brawler. He makes his debut as this character. And he not only cracks Terry Taylor in the head with one of the primetime stools, which would be crazy enough, but he also knocks down Gorilla Monsoon. He hits him. He sends him falling. This is the only thing resembling a bump that I ever saw Gorilla Monsoon take in the entire run of primetime wrestling. He goes down hard. Brooklyn Brawler beats up the Red Rooster. He slams him through a locker on the set as Bobby Heenan is screaming to egg him on. This is this is unbelievable. This is like going into a sacred space and doing something to violate that sacred space. It's something that feels like it can't happen. It's crazy. It gives me chills just thinking about it. It is, it is out of control again. I guess the theme of the day for me is that in some ways this era in the WCW 95, 96, 97 might be the two that remind me the most of each other because of things like this, because uh, again, it's a thing. Oh, that's never happened before matters because my God, we've had so much principle and time and history. And that's never happened versus how quick can we get to it? That's never happened before. You know, those are two different things. And here I have so many questions that need to be answered. Number one, was Bobby Heenan freaking out the whole time because this is unfair? He might get payback. Is part of that, that true? It's also a part of it true that Bobby Heenan knows what kind of a human being Bobby Heenan is. So he can only imagine what someone might do to him. Mm. You know, and then Gorilla Monsoon, does he take it too far? Like, you know, there, there's, there's a thing, like you can have fun at someone's expense, but how many times in one episode uh, was there any idea that Gorilla Monsoon would be involved? Did Bobby Heenan, because if we're going to make a, let's, let's have that conversation, because it's mid-show when Bobby Heenan goes away for 20 minutes, so let's say that, that he sets up the plan then, because why else would he be away for 20 minutes? 
is it is the plan to take out the red rooster or is he so pissed at that moment that it's hit anything that gets in the way man I, it's a question only bobby heenan would be able to answer yeah. he would never tell you the truth anyway and we're gonna see <laughs> as the show continues that he will deny uh three times at least like peter that uh, he never yeah. intended for gorilla monsoon to be involved and yet he also uh, demands to know when Gorilla Monsoon goes back. So true or not, he knows that uh, his explanation is probably not going to be accepted, at least uh, not off, um, not on its face. So knowing the relationship like I do, and I'd like to think I know it pretty well because I don't know how many hundreds of hours I've watched them doing stuff together. I do not. I believe Heenan when he says he never meant for Gorilla Monsoon to get involved because a. I've never seen any indication that he truly wishes Monsoon harm. B, he could have harmed Monsoon at many different times if he really wanted to. And C, I think he would have brought in somebody bigger to do it because Gorilla Monsoon is a lot scarier to Bobby Heenan and to everyone than friggin' Terry Taylor. Absolutely. So I happen to agree with everything that you just said. Mm. But the, the, the second part becomes... You have just taken a jobber who has never won a match and made him the Brooklyn Brawler. And the things you got mad at Terry Taylor for is like he was undefeated and he didn't win the match. In, he won the match in three minutes and 13 seconds, but not three minutes. <laughs> but here on the debut of this guy who's never won a match, you sold Hercules uh, to the Million Dollar Man to be a slave. Like he did in front of the face of Bobby Heenan take out Gorilla Monsoon, and there wasn't really much of a reaction other than, uh, you know, I, I didn't mean for that to happen. You know, so I don't think he meant for it to happen, but in the heat of the moment, yeah. you know, there were, there were no tears. Let's say it, let's put it like that. There were no tears over it happening, and there was no punishment. There was no yelling at the Brooklyn Brawler. So, <laughs> you know, the whole show got swept up into something that, you know, you cannot easily unfurl yourself from, I think. Oh, absolutely so. And, uh, yeah, there is a seed of doubt, and there is there is the question of the feelings between them, because certainly I, we saw on this show alone, but all through the run of primetime and everything, that Monsoon is not above torturing Heenan, and uh, there's going to be some bad feelings there, no matter how friendly you try to be at the end of the day. Um so there's an element of that, and there's also an element, and it's Heenan's pride. It's one thing yes. if you take on a guy, and you did it voluntarily, and you don't like everything he did, and you're going to criticize him. It's another thing if you have to bring on a second guy to try to clean up your mess. You kind of have to try to take a hard stance at that point. Um, Bobby Heenan, whew, when this when this chaos dies down, it never really dies down in my opinion, but it becomes less physically violent. He sits alone at the primetime wrestling desk. He takes over Gorilla Monsoon's chair because it has always been drilled down to him that that is the host's chair. And he always mm. wants to be the host. He wants to be the main host. So even his physical placement speaks to his state of mind and speaks maybe to your point that I, I don't doubt that he regrets on some level that Monsoon yeah. got involved, but I don't think he regrets that he's sitting in that chair. And I don't think he regrets that... Uh, that that he um, got a little bit of comeuppance for all these years, and he may regret it in the future, but there are definitely some mixed feelings going on here. I agree 100%. It's, it's mixed feelings. Because the core 
negative nuclear script of Bobby Heenan is, you're not going to make a fool out of me. Yep. And boy, this whole episode is, let's make a fool out of Bobby Heenan. And he doesn't sit in it very long. Like He makes a plan and he executes his plan. And he is sitting... <laughs> it's so strange because... He's sitting almost with a mixed bag at the beginning of the show because, like, I, you're not going to make a fool out of me. You're not going to directly do this to me. You're not going to make me feel like there's a threat. But also, this is this kind of thing where if you just be professional, like, nothing's going to happen and we're going to have a professional show. So it's kind of mixed at the beginning because there's that option. And then at the end, he triumphed. He showed them they won't make a fool out of him. He's sitting in Gorilla Monsoon's chair, but he can't even find the right uh, camera to look at because he's so disoriented. And Gorilla Monsoon might return and tell me when he returns. So he has triumphed and he's still in the same exact position again of like being afraid about what's going to happen next. Yeah, it's the um, it's the story of Bobby Heenan is that he'll make some bold move that he thinks is going to solve his problem. And it just makes the problem worse, really, in the long mm-hmm. run, because uh Despite all of his efforts and protestations, he is kind of a foolish person. You know, he's not making Mm. the best choices to give himself security in life. He's just uh, running it all by the seat of his pants most of the time. It's fascinating. It's so Brooklyn Brawler, too, because you have this great coming out. You're not a loser anymore. You have just made one of the greatest impacts. But you're also now just kind of sitting under the shadow of, tell me when Gorilla Monsoon returns so I can run away. (laughs) Uh, I get it though. Like, <clears throat> this is there will come a time where it's like very common to you know everyone's got to take a bump. You know everyone will get beaten up, and Steve Austin and Vader will kind of introduce it, and um, you know it'll be very exciting. But man, it's like it can't happen at this time. W- what they've done violates like the most basic rules of pro wrestling at this time of the WWF. Yes. And uh, like I said, this is the, I think this is the only time anyone. In all the time that I watched, I watched from 84 to 93, so seven, eight, nine years of me watching. This is the only time anyone put their hands on Gorilla Monsoon. And man, like, that would scare me. Like, Gorilla Monsoon, he's the guy, he knows everyone in the world by name. He has, like, every connection. He's a big guy in and of himself. He always is, like, the smartest guy in the room, or at least he wants you to think he is. And, um, man... I, I wouldn't have even sat around and waited for the news that Monsoon was coming back. You know, I would have packed my bag for Timbuktu or something. Yeah. You don't want to see a man that looks like Girl Monsoon be as laid back. Now, you can tell there's a reason because nobody's going to try him, and the ones that did probably don't exist anymore. <laughs> so uh, I agree with that. I'm just saying for Brooklyn Brawler. Like, it, it's just right that Brooklyn Brawler would have, like, the biggest coming out in the world, but, yeah, it just can't, it also can't get off the ground in the, in the same way because, mm. you know, we know it's not going to happen in the way that possibly it could. Like, if I'm watching this and I'm a new fan and I don't know anything, I think we've just set up, like, this dude who's just going to be maybe, like, at least, like, top mid-card, like, Honky Tonk Man's type style. Like, he's going to be sure. he's gonna be in there with championships for a while, the way, he's, the way he uh, kind of came off here. Yeah, I, I don't know if there was a plan for that or something. I kind of think not because it does it goes away pretty quickly, yeah. although he never stops being the Brooklyn Brawler. But uh, it's nuts because you have this amazing angle, literally one of my favorite angles in all of wrestling, um, 
an angle that, uh, like you were saying, Mega Powers blowing up reminds you of that NW angle. But, man, this one does kind of, too, because it, it yeah. disrupts everything. It throws out convention. It disrupts the show. It, it throws it into chaos. And it's all in service of this little feud that nobody, like, cares about. You know, it's, it's kind of a joke, like the Red Rooster. Haha, <laughs> like one of the dumbest things ever. So you've got this amazingly good angle. And it's all in service of this really stupid feud, and it's just it's it's weird. It's weird to think about that. It is. I think that the handwriting's on the wall because Terry Taylor is a, is a gimmick that they're making fun of, and I do think they're also doing other things. And by the fact they're grabbing the Brooklyn Brawler tells me that they probably don't have much for him beyond this. But again, like you said, well, sorry, but you just set up something that was, is just astonishing TV to watch, mm-hmm. and that's also the history of WWF when it's not going well, even though all of this is great. But it's also that a lot of times they've made up their mind about where something can go before they introduce it to TV. Yeah, very true. Very true. And that just should not be the case. Yeah. Um, Gorilla Monsoon, um, we're told, is going to return after, well, we get some Brooklyn Brawler stuff. He, uh, he didn't ask, what would you do if he saw a mugger and an old lady? He would help the mugger <laughs> mug the old lady, then he would mug the mugger, and they both have a good laugh about that. So, uh the show has definitely taken a new direction under the leadership of Bobby Heenan and the Brooklyn Brawler. Indeed, but it is short-lived because at the very end of the show, crew member does say, Monsoon is back in the building. Heenan and Brawler, they, they run out of there about as fast as they can possibly get. And we get, over the credits, uh, a rare empty shot of the set as, uh, as the credits roll past. And... Uh, there, there's some damage here that can't be easily repaired. There's going to be a lot of tension, let me tell you, between Heenan and Monsoon. And uh, you think about how that relationship has evolved and how now it is damaged. And, man, it's just there's a lot that goes into this. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because you got all that broken like furniture, too. And yeah. somebody's got to fix the studio. And, you know... I don't know how often they record. I don't know when they need to be there. I don't know if they have to do things before the show. But, you know, even a reminder, well, we can't go. We can't have this pre-show meeting because, like, we still got to fix the studio would be a reminder. Yeah, you know, remember when you got attacked by the Brooklyn Brawler that Bobby Heenan brought in? You know, so this is not something that you can easily come back from. No, it really isn't. It isn't. Uh, I remember thinking when I first watched this, how can these guys even sit next to each other again? Um (laughs) And, of course, they will in time, but uh, there's definitely some tension for a while, and uh, I think Bobby Heenan has to kind of do some extra suffering to eventually get them back to where they were before. Wow. That, woo, I almost thought we were building the WrestleMania Five right there. <laughs> I, I, we sort of are. There will be Bobby Heenan versus the Red Rooster at WrestleMania Five, but, yeah, Monsoon versus Heenan. That's the match that... Uh, you know, probably never could have happened, but I think about that sometimes if they had ever actually gotten in the ring together. Yeah, even if it's mixed tag and they just do a little bit, just to have that on tape to look at would have been nice. But, you know, you don't always get everything. And it's funny because there'll come a time when WWE uh, wants to put announcers in the ring and it's just about the worst thing that you could yeah. think of. And then here you actually kind of would like to see it uh, just because these characters are so great. And, and would Gorilla Monsoon wear his glasses? <laughs> it's weird to watch old monsoon matches because that he looks like a different guy when he's like wrestling you know he's got his signature look as an announcer so so down and just to see him without the glasses his face looks weird and he's in the wrestling tights and 
His body looks weird. It's just like you, you don't expect it. It's a very strange thing. It's so weird, too, because then it would have to be Jesse and Vince in the booth instead of Jesse and Gorilla. And I know Jesse would have to ultimately side with Bobby, but I don't think he could very easily just treat Gorilla Monsoon like he treats some of the people that he calls in the ring. I think I think we've seen examples of Ventura showing begrudging respect to baby faces who, who yes. deserve it. And I think he would very much be in that mode here. I don't know if Vince would have it, but he might he might give Gorilla more praise than I don't know how much praise Vince would give Gorilla because it's just like well you know he could have at least gotten shape for the matchup. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I don't think, you know, Gorilla's in that group, you know, that was in with his dad and they had like yep. lifetime contracts or stuff. He would have shown respect, I hope, to Gorilla right. that soon, for God's sake. I hope so, but by the time we're done with this show, the things that Vince McMahon and Gene <laughs> Arkeland, oh dear God, just sell your soul openly. Just have the contract signing with the devil with the camera on. Nobody's fooled. By, by what you do on air. Might as well. Oh, man. All right, that's our first sacred space violated. We'll see another one violated uh, before the end of the show. And I'll let, let you all decide if it's a more or less sacred space. For me, it doesn't get a lot more sacred than the primetime studio. But uh, as I said, you will judge for yourself as we go on. Absolutely. We're going to Madison Square Garden next. Yeah, we are. We are January 23. Madison Square Garden, um, because uh, I knew Mystic told me he's going to have limited time, we decided to pick only one match this week, and I am so pleased with the match that we picked for our bonus match. It is the Brain Busters taking on the Rockers. To me, one of the seminal feuds of 1989. We're going to see this pairing again at least twice on Saturday night's main event, but here we see it in Madison Square Garden, and man, I love this pairing i love this match i love everybody involved in this so much i'll just say up front this is one of my favorite matches i think we watched in this whole thing because i was just having such a great time watching this match yeah this is just a bunch of professionals a bunch of the transitions are easy the brain busters are leading like a uh, a beautiful show the fact that it's in madison square garden we get to see the four of these have almost 20 guys and have about 20 minutes. It's also home of Razor Ramon and Shawn Michaels, the latter match. So we're seeing a little bit of history, yet this is a time where Lord Alfred Hayes, try as he may, will not figure out who Shawn Michaels is and who Martin is for the entirety of the match. So that's also where we are in history at this time. <laughs> it's funny when that happens. I've seen that happen in a few uh, tag team situations, but it's doubly funny when it's Sean and Marty, because, like, you could never confuse, like, any wrestling fan in the world now could never confuse them. But at this time, they were kind of interchangeable. Although, I will say in this match, I thought I saw some very clear signs that Shawn Michaels was indeed always the superior of the two. Um, but even so, yes, uh, it's funny to think about how they were seen in this time. Yeah, and this also plays well, because by the time we end the main event... If we're going to line up the, the main event stars of the 90s, and they are going, going to have interaction with Hulk Hogan. And, uh, oh, man. Oh, good, good, good times. Good times. Oh, absolutely. Uh, so we do have Alfred Hayes and I believe Ron Trongard on commentary here. And he was a guy who was not even necessarily with the WWF 
he might have just been with uh, Madison Square Garden, but he, he does an okay job, sort of an outside voice, you know, not to get excited about, but he's fine. And he uh, knows who Shawn Michaels is, and he says it about 67,000 times. <laughs> just to try to help get, Alfred Hayes, yes. for sure. <laughs> it's so weird, because, like, doesn't he know them backstage, like, personally? I, I don't know, maybe not. I guess you never know who you're going to hang out with. Um, I remember uh, I've seen this with the Nasty Boys and with the Rougeos and with others where just like the commentary is just lost as to who's who. And it's funny because I, I think it's Heenan who calls the Rockers the double mint twins at this time. <laughs> and they could almost be twins for the way that they are treated. Yeah. And you wonder if Marjan A didn't have the, the problems that he had, you know, I don't, like you said, I think Michaels is, is superior already, but I don't think there's yet an indication that they prefer one over the other. No, I don't think so either. And we'll see many opportunities for Marty Jannetty, um, and he'll be able to show off a lot of skills. So, yeah, if he was not a uh, severely disturbed person, <laughs> yes. which we will find out he is uh, over the years um, and having just tons of problems, who knows? You know, he could have uh, probably not gone as far as Shawn Michaels, but he could have gone a lot farther, I think, than he did. Yeah, and he would have helped Michaels too because mm-hmm. it was always – Having that storied feud to kind of build upon, you know, it just drops off out of nowhere, yep. you know. So things like that, when that goes away, that kind of just leaves it leaves you wrestling Tatanka uh, at WrestleMania Nine. It's the kind of stuff oh, it does. Man, I'll say more about that when we get there. But man, yeah. how much better would it have been to have Sean versus Marty at WrestleMania Nine? Oh, oh yeah, they were rolling at that time. That was again, that was a flavor. Like they did more probably against each other than they did together in that short time. <laughs> in 1993, yeah, that's that's the year of Sean versus Marty recurring over and over and then stopping and starting, and it's a weird time, but we'll get to that down the line. I will also just mention really quick, we will also get to how Bobby Heenan leaves the WWF, so I think it's, it's nice just to think about how he gets escorted out of the building uh, on this episode. Oh, man, one of the... Uh, <laughs> One of the uh, best departures in all of WWF history, in my opinion. Well, we will talk about that as well in 1993, right at the end. A lot of great tie-ins. This match blew my mind in that, like, a lot. so many times the tag matches, I can predict the pace, I can predict who's going to dominate for how many minutes, then the turn, then the turn, then the turn, then the finish. This is one that the brain busters, emphasis on the word brain, cannot get the best of this green new team. Like they'll stop and start it three or four times in a row and they keep getting shown up. And it's like, Oh my God, I cannot believe this is happening right now. <laughs> oh, it's great though. Cause I feel like this is classic NWA. When people say NWA, sometimes they think like, Oh, it's like grit and blood. And like they're on the mat, they're mat wrestling or something. And yeah, definitely that would happen sometimes, but a huge part of NWA, Jim Crocker Promotions, Mid-Atlantic, whatever you want to look back on, is make the baby faces look good. That was one of Flair's biggest strengths. That's why he was so successful, is he could go anywhere, and he would make the baby face look like he was amazing and like he was on the verge of winning the world title. And these guys are totally in the same vein. So not only are they great, but they are working overtime to make the Rockers look as good as possible. And the Rockers are already good, so it just makes the match even better. Very well said. Uh, there's a couple of um, armed moments. I'll get the one early and we'll get the one later. That like, We're watching two great stories that we're, talk- we're comparing to WCW and NWO. 
And yeah, Arn Anderson has a couple of like tiny moments that are just as great as anything in, in the world of wrestling, especially the second one when we get to it. But uh, early on, Marty's just like throwing some right hands, and Arn is just getting beat up. And Arn's throwing lefts back, and they're not even coming close to Marty's face. Like he's just swinging at the air because you can tell like he's gone, and he knows like on instinct to fight. But you know, you're not even you're not even throwing them at the guy, and it's it's, it's the mark of an Arn Anderson match when you start getting these like real real details throughout the match. <laughs> I noted that moment as well because it was so good, and it's the perfect example of Arn Anderson is so good, he is so precise that mm. he can make himself appear imprecise in like the best way possible. So he can be, he can look like he's flailing and trying to return punches, and like he's in over his head in this moment. He's been caught off guard, whatever you want to call it, and he's only able to do it because he is just so impossibly in control that he can look out of control in the perfect way. It's it's incredible. It is. It is so good. Um, everything in this match is like that in a way, is that like they'll go for a double suplex on Mario Gennetti. Shawn Michaels will come in and sit him down on his feet, and they'll hit super kicks. And so many times, it's like this really clean, really smooth transition. Mm. Brain busters roll out. Uh, they get themselves together. You think they're about to come in and do something different. And and then and they end up falling again, and it's partly the fact that like this team is good and they're making them look good. But one has to wonder: it's Madison Square Garden, and they are missing their manager. So how much does not having Bobby Heenan here impact the Brainbusters? Oh yeah, I think it's absolutely a factor, and it's a great shout out. Um, as for on, I saw somebody on Twitter. I have no idea who, but I want to give credit. It's not my original thought, but they pointed out, and I think this is very true. Arn Anderson may be the best at all time at creating motion uh, while he's waiting for something to happen. You will never see him just standing around mm. waiting for something to happen to him. He is always so keyed in. He will have a reason for why he is in the spot that he is in. He will have a reason for why he is doing the thing that he is doing. You will never see even a second of lapse in Arn Anderson where he's not creating some sort of credible motion that moves the match forward. I love that. That is a hundred percent true. And I think about like we have not been enamored with Bret Hart yet. Like his time has not come. But the the thing that he got the highest praise for so far is I think the demolition we started started talking about. Look how they're moving when they're not on screen, when they're not the main focus, when they're on the apron, when they're on the outside of the ring. And so you don't have to be able to do these things if you can do something else. But if you can do something else and you can do these things then you are a master class every time you are out there. Mm, absolutely. I was looking at this match, I was really thinking, man, time and circumstances really robbed us of too much of Tully and Arn's career. Because, of course, Tully, he'll basically be done after 89 because of some um, highly questionable uh, things that happened with him that we'll talk about later. And then Arn, you know, he has some good years left, and we know that, but uh, he'll be injured long before I think with his style, he could have kept going, and um, I don't know. There's just there's a lot of great Tully and Arn left on the table in wrestling, and it's sad, and it makes me doubly happy that now at least they're on AEW, they're on screen, they're getting to contribute again, because they're just so damn good. Yeah, I'm thinking for the first time, it might have been nice if Tully would have come back with the Dangerous Alliance. Yeah, holy shit, how great would that have been, you know? It's really unfortunate because I'll just uh, jump ahead and I may talk about it again, but 
Tully and Arn are going to be all set to move back to um, WCW together. And Tully's going to fail a drug test, I think, for cocaine or something. So WWF, they're going to fire him before his contract is quite up. And then, this is the story at least, WWF leaked that drug test result to WCW, and they used it as an excuse to uh, not only not bring Tully back, but to cut Arn Anderson's contract, because he's not as valuable alone, according to them. So, some very petty shit. If you think Tully Blanchard is the only guy doing cocaine in this era, I got another thing for you. So, some very petty circumstances are going to really cost us with Tully Blanchard, who is awesome. Especially since these guys did, did nothing but help both promotions that they worked in. Absolutely. Absolutely. I can't remember the story anymore because it's been too much time. But I think they wanted to try to make it work with Vince, but they kept getting screwed around and, like, yeah. you know, just led this way and led that way about the money and the contract. So I think they originally, originally they wanted to make it work. But I'm, I, I might be – it's been a long time since I've listened to their story. But, yeah. you know, either way, like – all they did was help you and your tag teams and your division and your company. So why be like that at the end? Yeah. Yep. This is an area where just some people are not appreciated the way they should be. We talked, uh, you know, in a couple of years, Arn Anderson will get um, demoted by Bill Watts and Bobby Eaton will get fired and all these people that you never think would be treated the wrong way will be treated all kinds of wrong ways. So it's just uh, it's an unfair business at times for sure. Yeah. So the other amazing thing, this does not happen in sequence. I want to point that out. It happens at the very beginning of the match and almost towards the very end of the match. And if you're not watching closely, you don't even see it happen. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's another one of these uh, uh, Ren, uh, Arn Anderson talks to the camera about Ricky Steamboat. He's just a man moments. Uh, the beginning of the match, the referee is doing his best, but he is clearly dropping calls. He is missing tags. And it's, yep. at the beginning, it, it changes later, but at the beginning, it's all brain buster directed. Like every single time they make a tag, he is trying to get a rocker out of the ring. And this is like way later towards the end of the match. Arn Anderson has is, is got the he's got the advantage. He's getting ready to tag totally. And he does the most aggressive finger poke on your shoulder to the referee like three times poking him on the shoulder showing him hey pay attention i'm about to make a tag you see this this is a tag uh he's going to come in the ring and it's just another one of those things that has almost nothing to do with the fans it has to do with if i'm doing my job and you're not letting me do my job i'm going to be pissed off and this is how i would react in the moment (laughs) yeah that's incredible that's another sign of the amazing engagement of Arn Anderson, uh, who who remembers everything, who incorporates everything, uh, it's it's so good, and uh, and yeah, uh, on the other side, the Rockers very happy to take advantage of these missed tags, and uh, even mm. I think coming in and out without tagging behind yes. the referee's back, being uh, being heelish, showing again. We've said many times there are no baby faces and heels. There's no good or bad. It's just uh, about what side of the fence you're on. Absolutely, but I will also say to that, if you got an advantage against the Brain Busters, you damn well better take it. <laughs> very, very true. Yeah, there's a certain amount of intelligence on that as well. Oh, man, other great Brain Buster stuff. There's a whole sequence where Tully is caught in a hammerlock, and he, like, elaborately escapes the hammerlock, and he's struggling out of it, and then, uh, of course, he, like, bounces right back into it. I love spots like that. Yeah. It's great. 
they do the spot where like one of them is getting pinned, but they tag out like in the middle of the pin and the rocker doesn't realize it. And the other guy comes in and just uh, beats him up. Man, there's so much good stuff in this. I truly love this match. Yeah, it, it, it's almost every, we can't really do it justice because it's just the flow of the match. Every sequence, you know, there's someone doing something on purpose and they're doing it smooth and they're doing it well and it works. Absolutely. I'll, I'll have to post the link. Uh, I um, Before this show goes up, I, I will post kind of the, the preview stuff. So check out the link, www.lopforums.com. Type that old URL, you'll get there. And, uh, yeah, you, you check out this match if you've never seen it because it's wonderful. Yeah, again, it's a pleasure to see them have a Madison Square Garden moment. It's well-earned. They, 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 they make the most of it. They get almost 20 minutes, I think. So, mm-hmm. you know. Good times. It ends it ends rather smartly with a suplex attempt, I think, from Marty Jannetty and Arnold lingering on the floor. He pulls the leg out and he's holding like the tassels or the ribbons or whatever is on Marty as uh totally gets the pin. Absolutely, and we will see this finish uh, recur again with a Bobby Heenan client at WrestleMania. So that's a look uh, a little foreshadowing for you there. Nice. Excellent encounter. Absolutely. Teams fight after the match. This isn't over. Like I said, we'll see these guys together again. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. So those are the bonus um, moment sections. Watch them both. Do go watch that Gorilla Monsoon Bobby Heenan encounter. I do think there'll be a time in my life where I will watch all of that because, you know, it's it's so good for so many reasons. Mm -hmm. And it's always worth uh, seeing. So, anything else bonus-related? Nothing at this time. Um, We will definitely have more bonus footage next week because, man, I could really just keep living in this era for a long time, so I want to make the most of all this great stuff going on. (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, This is a shorter show. It's a 40-something minute episode. It is the second main event. This is primetime, prime time real estate, and WWF takes advantage of the opportunity that they have. It is, again, February 3rd, 1989, the Bradley Center, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Uh, we begin with a super clash rundown of Hulk Hogan and Randy Savage versus the Twin Towers. And I just, these adjectives, these descriptions, Vince McMahon, WWF-style narration, you, you, you find out this is not a world where it's every narrative for itself. Visit Man talks about the golden days of summer, the lovely Miss Elizabeth, the lion smile of Brother Love, the brutal boss man, the sly slickster, uh, a Hulk Hogan that was beat up in a way that would have crippled any other man, citations not needed, uh, the treacherous twins, the lone Hulkster, the heroic Randy Savage, the barbaric assault on Hulk Hogan and the brave champion. <laughs> yep, There's no yep. wiggle room in those narratives. Absolutely not. And I got to say, we said uh, this and that about Vince McMahon, and there's a lot to say about him. But when he does these little introductions, you know, when he narrates the package, I got to give him credit because he always, um, I don't know, there's something about him. His level of uh, enthusiasm and his, his, his way of, yeah, throwing all this uh, crazy stuff in there to get that hyped up. I appreciate it. He does a good job with it. Yeah, I think we've said it before. He behaves in a way that he wants the fan to react, I think. So, like, he's super excited, and it's like, oh, these guys are so courageous, and these are so evil, and this is the way we feel about it, you know. And 
I respect I respect it. I respect the height, but I always feel like I'm standing on the outside looking at it because he never swoops me up to uh to go with him on his journeys. Yep, I think we're not the type to necessarily connect with that, but I, I can see the uh, the fun of it. You know, when he's yes. not behaving too badly, I get on well with he with Vince as a commentator. Yeah, and this is Vince and Jesse one more time. It's another team that we're gonna miss in the future. Jesse Ventura is clean shaven and looking like Hulk Hogan Hollywood long before there is a Hollywood Hulk Hogan. <laughs> Uh, and he's got some sunglasses that light up. So the uh, the fashion statements of Jesse Ventura continue. Yeah, this is you know they they don't have a lot of time. They know what their story is, so we kind of go right to it. It's uh, Gene Erklund's in the back. He's got the twin towers and slick. Um, he asks, "How long are you going to continue your terrorist attacks?" <laughs> There's the beginning of this oh, thing. Oh, <laughs> what an instigator. Uh, Slick calls Okerlund a near idiot and mm. uh, fires back with their own set of rules. The rules are uh, three three guys is better than two guys. Putting himself over uh, Miss Elizabeth. The rules are uh, kill or be killed, eat or be eaten in the jungle, says Akeem. And the boss man is still uh, granting people rights to suffer, so... So, yeah, you've got these three uh, dangerous men, and they've all got their rules that they're going to be following. Absolutely. We come back up, and we get uh, we get Vince McMahon description that there is nothing going on. You know, the mega powers are fine. Um, to, to prove this, we see a, a video package about them with some uh, sexy saxophone yeah. music over it. And uh, <laughs> uh, it's very silly to me, uh, even if they weren't rife with problems already we have like this uh, silly video package that's gonna make everything okay i guess yeah jesse ventura says if you had been around when nixon was president he'd still be in office <laughs> i don't know how i missed that line but that's perfect that's beautiful. and the visit man responds with i don't believe there's any dissent at all uh, and how how did the baby faces recover like their credibility from this? You know, they don't. They they just pretend they never lost it, of course. But how blind and stupid do you have to be to be sitting here because you're either stupid or you're bald faced lying and you're just saying, There's no problem with the mega powers and twenty minutes later they're gonna be trying to literally murder <laughs> each other. So there's no credibility left for you, babyface commentators. Yeah, this uh, this is where I put my note because that was my first thought. Is like, how the hell did this is this is the episode where the mega powers explode, and I don't believe there's any dissension at all. There's no room for that. And but my thought is, there is a Hulk Hogan that exists, and he'll he'll be we'll meet him later in this episode, and we've seen him about three times in this series, where he talks in such absurd. Uh, the voice changes, the overacting, the ridiculous <laughs> words that he uses, and it's all to say, I had no idea anything was ever going on. And my guess is, again, Vince McMahon is not running cover for the mega powers. He doesn't care how he looks. He doesn't care how that take looks. He is trying to convince anyone that he can convince that there was never any problem. So that when they blow up, because everybody knows they're going to blow up, the response can be, oh, my God, Randy Savage, where the hell did that come from? 
Uh, controlling the narrative is so important. Maybe you're right. Maybe they're just giving Hogan as much uh, cover as possible so that when this blows up, they can uh, blame Randy Savage. Oh, man. I, I went through a roller coaster with this feud on this show alone, and uh, I have some very contradictory notes at times, so I'm going to try to put them all together here. Oh, wow. There ain't nothing more beautiful in storytelling and an audience than to be able to say, like, I had contradictory thoughts, and that's not a bad thing because that's fucking real life. And this is, oh, my God. This is all I knew kind of when we came into the feud. Like, oh, there was a little bit of dissent, and then they blew up. This is, like, really 18th, the 18th time that they could have blown up, but this is the one. And having this show... And all that it stands for, but also having all this history that we've gone through, this is this is this is rich. This is the David I think in Psalms, my cup runneth over. I'm not gonna get to say that many times in this series, but my cup runneth over as a wrestling fan because you exceeded, you exceeded, and thank you. But like Ms. Fan said, like this is hard to take in because you know it's it's very contradictory. Uh, it is. It really is. Just to add to the complication, we go backstage. We have uh, oh, we have Hogan and uh, the Mega Powers and Gene Okerlund. And uh, as usual, Hogan is kind of dominating the interview. Uh, he says love will power their team. And he says there is love between Liz and Hogan. Mm-hmm. And Savage has a little reaction to this that you can it see if you are looking for it. Oh, but then he says, oh. She's like a sister, and there's love between me and Savage as well, because we're blubber, love, because we're brothers, not lovers, brothers. <laughs> it's important to remember. Maybe a Freudian slip there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Hulk Hogan, man. Jesus Christ. Oh boy. Yeah. Okay, there's one step to go back further though, because the yes. visual that you hit when you go back, Randy Savage is in a robe with Mega Powers written on it. Hulk Hogan's in a bandana with Hulk rules written on it. I noticed again for sure that uh, Savage was in the Mega Powers gear and Hogan is in Hogan gear. And uh, you notice, you notice that Hogan never put on a robe and he never put on uh, sunglasses and a bandana. Mm. He could have looked like Savage if he wanted to. And there was never even an attempt to incorporate Randy Savage's aesthetic. It's just, uh, oh, Savage, what if you themed the gear you have to be more like Hulk Hogan? So... It tells you something about their relationship right there. That's a great point because we know he can grow a beard because he'll do it when he becomes Hollywood. <laughs> so he cannot grow a beard to team up with Randy Savage, but he can grow a beard after he comes down and drops a leg on Randy Savage. Very true. Very true. Uh, Gene Oakland begins this, this disgusting thing. Thank God we're not watching every episode, even though I would want to because it's such a great era. Thank God we're not watching every episode because somehow the line to start this is, Hulk Hogan, you talked about the triangle of love. <laughs> With a straight face. Like, like if this whole thing was revealed to be a year of a reality show just to see how far you could push Randy Savage, it would be believable. <laughs> oh, Yeah. What if we made this uh, emotionally unstable man world champion, <laughs> but didn't give him the attention, and then we've set up his wife, who he's insecure about, with uh, another guy, and they became <laughs> best friends. You know, what would happen then? Oh, I can see it now. Randy, you, you nailed it, though, because when Hulk Hogan, they, 
This is everything. They've done this perfectly on every show. So shout out to the producers. Shout out to the wrestlers. It's another one where Hulk Hogan says, it's the love between me and Elizabeth. And then Randy Savage snaps his head. And then Hogan says, the love between a brother and a sister. <laughs> oh, man. Um, the, the interview continues. Randy Savage... Uh, he claims now he could feel Elizabeth's pain when she was attacked on the uh, previous Saturday Night's main event. Yeah. And I know, very funny, Hulkamaniacs have to feel Hogan's pain, but Savage, he's stuck feeling the pain of other people. So let's talk for a minute about uh, empaths and people who feel mm. pain as opposed to people who uh, project their pain on other people. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, man. Yes. Watching Hulk Hogan pretend like he feels something for someone is one of the most difficult things to do. <laughs> it's a hard sell, for sure. Uh, Hulk Hogan, I mean, here's the guy who doesn't even feel his own pain. He, he just yeah. sends it out to Hulkamaniacs so they can just choke for miles around, <laughs> even if they're not watching. We know this. He said it himself. For Randy Savage, here's a guy who takes on everybody's pain, I think, his own and everybody else's. Man. You, you, you've talked a number of times about being a highly sensitive person, and I'm wondering if there's some element of that with Randy Savage, because uh, mm. I feel like he's very sensitive to the emotions around him, and they affect him very profoundly. There are slight differences, I think, uh, between the, uh, how an HSP and an empath, but there are all, there's a lot of there's an overlap there. So the fact that you bring that up and the fact – like. The big thing about a highly sensitive person is they have an overstimulated nervous system. Mm. So they're picking up on – it could be like bright lights. It could be noises. But they're also picking up on a bunch of sensory details, a bunch of little things other people are not. And go back this year and watch how many times Randy Savage's head snaps during a match or an interview because Hulk Hogan said something that could likely mean what it will end up meaning in three to six months. That's so tough. Um I, you got to feel bad to set for Savage for some extent here because uh, he is here with a guy, and I, I believe Hulk Hogan can injure Randy Savage with his words a thousand times, and Randy Savage could say a thousand words, and they would just bounce off of Hulk Hogan. Yeah. So he is definitely at the disadvantage when it comes to uh, to to the, the the war of feelings and words here. You. <laughs> You 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 have opened the door with with one of your Hogan statements because I think that Hogan is both the great politician who is always doing these things, but I also think there is some sincerity in that. I have always thought he doesn't receive the world like other people do, and so now you have put a thought in my head because I don't know what it's that second jetpack where the hell that's supposed to be, but. This is a man who, like, he's going to get the 747 later, and then he's going to be hulking up and not feeling anything. Mm. So there's something intriguing in the fact that there, there, I think there is something in that he's one of the most successful wrestlers of all time because he has this ability not to feel what other people feel. But then I also think we're watching him in some of this, this acting and this response, and so even some of the Liz statements. Like, I both think that this has been a setup from the beginning to get his world title back because he's been kind of clear about that. And we are officially, brother, we are now close enough to WrestleMania to be out about it. (laughs) But there's also this feeling that he can't just say things that are inappropriate because he doesn't know what it's like to feel. Like, he just has this this overpowering, like, he's he's eternally hulking up in every area of his life. (laughs) And other people are living, like, real life. 
<laughs> I was just thinking about that as we were talking about it. Hulk Hogan, we've been very hard on him at times, that you know, the, the way he treats other people and the way he acts and uh, the way um, just, just his entire persona. But is this – you tend to think um, that other people kind of receive the world the same way that you do, but I think we've also – established that the way Hulk Hogan receives the world, both in and out of character, is nothing like what most people do. Like, he has a very unique perspective uh, due to the successes he's had and the personality he's had and all of this stuff. So it almost makes me wonder, you know, I, I'm not going to give Hogan, like, a free pass or anything because no. he's got to know at some level the stuff he's doing. But also, he's got to be like at times, man – why does everyone else take this stuff so hard? Like, it never mm -hmm. affects me, you know? It has no effect on me at all. They're just letting it affect them. Why don't they just be like me? Of course, nobody could be like Hulk Hogan because he's very unique. So, I don't know. It, it's a strange question of, like, perspective and what it must be like to actually be in Hogan's head, and I can't really fathom that. Yeah, Th this is why this is so great, because we can both say 100% that there is a scummy uh, thing going on like disrespecting Randy Savage several times mm. by just saying it like I am still the number one person in this company, blah, blah, blah. I, the fans recognize me as the world. Like it, it's very plain spoken at times, but it's also this thing where I can see Hulk Hogan saying like we are in a wrestling business and the person who makes the most money is the world champion and all of us want to be the world champion. And I just always, you know, I'm always directing myself towards that, and then everybody else is, like, running in circles chasing their tails, and I'm not going to go chase my tail, you know, because they're doing the same thing. So he's also got this kind of thing, and so then what happens beneath that is we have just had a year of some of the greatest storytelling of all time, but that is also set up on the fact that before even – before these two even came together for the first time – the handwriting was on the wall because you had one person who overthinks everything, overfills everything, and one person who eternally hulks up. So it's a recipe for disaster. And then you remember when you start thinking about this triangle of love that they never chose to come together. They never chose to be friends. They never chose to be a team. It was actually Elizabeth who was with Savage and Elizabeth who got Hulk Hogan. So there really is this thing where I don't know if they ever even fully came together. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, they shook hands, but would they have shaken hands ever if uh, Liz hadn't run back to get Hogan? I don't know. I don't, I kind of think they would not have. So no, I think uh, when I watch Hogan and Beefcake, I'm like, I can see those two being best friends and having conversations that have not even the, even a string of depth or a string of like uh, anything that makes sense. But they're, they're them understanding each other. Right. I don't think Hogan and Savage do. So then everything that we're talking about can be turned every which way because I hear Hogan talking about Liz. And I'm like, this is so like insinuary and it's so like, what the hell are you doing? And at the same time, Hogan only came into this relationship because for some reason Liz went and got him. So there's also something authentic about it. Mm -hmm. And I remember we talked about the time, the first time, was Liz even looking for Hogan specifically? I really don't think she was. So how different is the world if somebody else was walking by at that time? If it was like Coco Beware or, you know, somebody yeah. random who could have come out and, you know, they probably could have helped also. So. Yeah, for just just for the coincidence of a single moment, we get uh, this cascade of reactions. Yeah, part of eternally hulking up, though, is you're always in the right place at the right time, which will ensure if you ever lose your belt, you'll get it back a year or two later. So, uh, 
absolutely. You know, Hogan can't even understand not being in the right place at the right time. <laughs> this segment ends. Uh, this is another one. Gene Arkland ends this segment by saying, those have got to be some of the finest people in the World Wrestling Federation. Like, that is, oh, God. <laughs> that, that That's one call. That's one way to call what's going on right now, Gene Arkland. <laughs> okay, so I will say that this matchup is the first matchup on the show, which might throw you off, but it's not a very long show, so... It might have been a tale at this time, but you still could not know everything that's happening. But this is a show where you're pretty much kicking off with the Mega Powers versus the Twin Towers. Yeah, and what a thing to start out with um, on this show. But like you said, I mean, this is the ultimate. You talk about like you put put your bigger match on early so that uh, if people go to bed, you know, they won't be uh, they won't miss it. Um, so, yeah, we get here this uh, huge, huge main event. First thing on the show, and uh, wow, there's a lot. Whew, there's a lot we could unpack here between uh, these fine people, as Oakland called them. <laughs> oh boy! So at the start we get Savage, and uh, he's gonna start, but Hogan wants to fight Boss Man, so Savage lets him in. Savage still being cooperative, still uh, not 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 showing any direct sign that uh, you know. I don't think Savage came in here planning to explode or anything. I think, um, like we talked about before, I don't think Savage makes plans like that. I think he uh, reacts in the moment almost entirely. Absolutely. It's, it's, it's stunning because they consult Liz about who will start. Apparently she chooses Randy Savage to start the match. Bossman wants Hulk Hogan. Savage does it, and I just simply write, wrote what I saw on the screen, which is Hulk Hogan replaces Randy Savage. <laughs> oh yes, a very um, telling note right there. Um, this is where my stuff gets caught. Com- my notes start to get complicated because this is the part where I noted that I came into this storyline expecting and kind of wanting to uh, put the blame all on Hulk Hogan. You know, Hulk Hogan was being inappropriate. He was uh, stepping over lines he should not have stepped over. He, he basically caused this meltdown. And then uh, acted offended about it later. And I put here, at this point in the match, my note says, the truth is more complex. There's plenty of blame on both sides. And I do Mm. believe that. And yet my later notes are going to strongly contradict that statement as well. So uh, I don't know what that says exactly. I'm trying to parse it out as we go along. Do you know what you were feeling or what you were thinking about when you first made the statement that it might be more complicated than you thought? I... It's it's what we talked about before, I think, like on the last episode, we talked about uh, Savage didn't come out to help Hogan when he was in trouble, and Hogan never sat in the back while Savage was in trouble, so you can't say that like Savage never crossed the line that Hogan didn't. So even though we have stuff like Hogan comes out and says, oh, well, I'm, I feel sorry for Randy, you know, that's, that's on Hogan, that's the thing he shouldn't have said, and yet there are also things that Savage shouldn't have done that he was driven yeah. to and uh, ways that he let himself get into the situation and also be taken advantage of. Nobody told him, Hey, you have to wear mega powers gear. Even if Hogan doesn't, yeah. you know, he made his own mistakes in this feud. So at this point in the match, I was feeling, even though there's plenty of blame with Hogan, you have to look at what Savage did as well. The things he did, the things he didn't do. He had his own complicity in the way this all came together. 
I think a telling line, as you said, I thought you were going to say uh, he had his own uh, problems or made his own mistakes in this team or in this friendship, but in this feud. And so probably what I wonder is, in a way, was there ever a team in a friendship? You know, because it, it's a confusing thing, I would think, to be the top two baby faces that are somehow brought together. Mm-hmm. You know, like how many times maybe did they try you know, to get along, but, like, if you cannot see the world in any way like the other person, like, eventually what's going to happen is what happens, I think. Oh, absolutely, and again, this goes uh, on and off the screen. I always think about how, uh, you know, I didn't hear this myself, I, I heard it transcribed or something, but Bischoff talking about Hogan and Savage later on in WCW and how you never knew day to day if they would be like the greatest of best friends so close that they're inseparable, or if they would absolutely hate each other's guts. And uh, to me, you know, I'm sure some of that uh, is from Hogan, but if you want to talk about someone with a volatile personality, I'm sure a lot of this like emotional swinging back and forth came from Randy Savage. Yeah. And that's true within the feud and with outside of the feud as well. This is, oh man, this is such good stuff because I think you're right. Cause again, Hulk Hogan takes a lot of beatings you know, because of what's happening. So Hogan's doing a lot of nasty stuff behind the scenes. But, man, when it's time to get in the ring, even if he gets left behind, like, he just gets in there and he gets it done and kind of does it with a good spirit, you know. So, yeah, yeah. you know, there are those moments because Hogan's going to dominate in the beginning. And, like, he puts an atomic drop on the big boss man, which is just a funny thing. I don't see that often with, like, a 300-and-something pounder. So that was fun. And Hogan's dominating and kind of hogging the ring. He's not tagging, but it's also going well. And so Jesse says... He made no attempt to tag the Macho Man like he's out for all the glory. And then double meaning, Vince's response is, no, Jesse, there's just no reason to tag the Macho Man. <laughs> this, You made a great point about like this relationship being so difficult. When you're Hulk Hogan and Randy Savage, yeah. how do you even move around each other? without that movement creating, like, extra meetings that you maybe didn't even intend, you know, tag your partner, don't tag your partner. In most matches, it wouldn't even be a question, but here it's like the weight of what you do or what you don't do is so enormous, and uh, there's no... It's amazing these guys stayed together as long as they did when you really look at it, because they probably should have blown up, like, in the first hour. I agree a thousand percent, and I do think... The fact that Hulk Hogan had his mind on other things might be the only reason that did not happen. <laughs> so Slick and uh, Big Boss Man really helped uh, elongate the run of the Mega Powers, I guess. Yeah, um, yeah I can believe that. Uh, we're going to talk mostly about Hogan and Savage here, but I just want to shout out again. I love Big Boss Man. I love Slick. Akeem is what he is. You know, he's kind of funny <laughs> when he dances around. But yeah, yeah. no, I got to praise at least two thirds of this uh, heel trio yes. here. Yeah, they are in their they're in their moment. Like this is. This is like peak stuff with Slick and Boss Man. Like they got they got a shine on them, and the thing is they're both so good. I don't think they ever had to lose it. So it's almost these are the things like everybody wants to talk about the WWF machine. Like oh they can make anybody at least equally, at least equally. I've seen in life where people had it without the machine, and WWF was the problem. So right. absolutely so. All right, so the match goes on, and we get to the big moment, the big, uh, again, we got an inciting incident here, and this is going to be the beginning of it, the moment, the moment you can show over and over in the video packages. And I'll say again, these moments are so important. I love them. I love that this era is filled with them. What we get, 
Akeem uh, throws Randy Savage out of the ring, and he ends up crashing down on top of Miss Elizabeth, and it's a nasty bump. She is taken out. Hulk Hogan rushes over to them. Savage is able to get up, but Liz is still down. It seems like she's hurt. Savage seems conflicted. He seems pissed at Hogan, but also worried, and he sees that Hogan is basically ignoring him and only paying attention to Liz. He doesn't know what to do. While he is distracted, he gets pulled back into the ring, back into the action, while Hogan continues to ignore him and sits with Miss Elizabeth. So uh, this is going to get worse, but here we have kind of the opening moments of this big angle, which is going to inform everything on the road to WrestleMania. Yes, I praise the producers and the wrestlers. Here's another one. Every image, every visual, every moment. So Savage falls on Liz. So Savage is out. Liz is out. They're both laying down. This is the night that Hulk Hogan and Gene Erkland talked about the triangle of love. And Hulk Hogan comes and kneels over them. So they are actually physically laying there as the bottom of the triangle. Hulk Hogan is the top of the triangle. And you're looking at him. Look at both of them. And you're slowly realizing he's kind of only going to make sure that Elizabeth is all right. And yeah, maybe that's because she doesn't take bumps and she's never been knocked out like this. And later he's going to think she's dead for some reason. I don't know why that's Hulk Hogan business, but Randy Savage is going to get himself up and he's standing behind. And as Ms. Fan said, seeing that Hulk Hogan is paying no attention to him and he draws his body sideways and he clenches his fist and he is just standing there. Like he's about to hit Hulk Hogan in the back of the head. He doesn't do it, but he gets dragged in by the twin towers. So who knows what he would have done. And Hulk Hogan continues kind of to just be above Elizabeth. And guess what? Guess what, friends? There ain't no triangle anymore. <laughs> the triangle is definitely falling apart. Yeah, I love how you can see that flare up in Ravi Savage's mind. There, there's clearly a, a possibility of violence there, but uh, yes. he, he's holding it back. He doesn't want to commit to that. You can see the war in his head, and there's one part of his brain which is just screaming like, ah, Hulk Hogan is stealing Miss Elizabeth from you. He doesn't care about you. And the other half is like, no, we're the mega powers. He's just checking on Liz. And, like, this is what I talked about when I said Randy Savage's brain is on fire because, like, I I feel like it's a blazing inferno in there. I don't even know how Randy Savage can think sometimes. No, I don't either. And... Dear God, this story, because this is not even in my notes, but listening to you talk, here's another thing, another, like, log the throw on the fire. It's Randy Savage who is in a romantic relationship with Liz. That Hogan kind of outs that. We've been wondering, is that so or is that not? Hogan, at least, seems to say it is today. Yep. Well, Hulk Hogan, in a way that I can only deem fake, overwrought, not saying there's not any concern, but we'll get into it as we go on. Uh, We'll discuss how much of this is authentic and how much is not. But Hulk Hogan is overly worried about Liz. And Randy Savage is underly. He is not even concerned about the fact that Liz is knocked out on the floor. He's only concerned about the fact that Hulk Hogan's checking on her. Mm. Yeah, very true. And also even another layer on it. We we kind of mentioned it already, but Hogan, he makes no effort to include Randy Savage like in this worry. He doesn't like motion no. for him to come over. He doesn't talk to him at all. He just shuts him out. And man, like I'm sorry, like you met Liz like maybe a year ago, maybe less, and now you want to come in and be like, oh well, she's my sister basically. <laughs> but you weren't yeah. even here most of the time, and now you wanna you wanna pretty much put your relationship over the guy she's been with this whole time. You know, that's that that would piss anybody off, I think, you know, yeah. if you were with your wife or your girlfriend or something. 
and with your friend as well, and your friend just shut you out and only paid attention to your your wife or girlfriend, you would you would feel some offense as well, I think, if that happened. Especially if he, if he's down there narrating like he's gonna do in the back later, and Savage can hear that. <laughs> that alone uh, should make you want to hit Hulk Hogan. Okay, so yeah, let's talk about that. So Hogan is looking over Liz. Savage is back in the ring, getting beat up, fighting two giant guys by himself. Hulk Hogan's paying no attention. Vince McMahon even says, help is on the way. So Hulk Hogan, at this point, does not have to do anything. This is a whole organization where people can come out and help people get hurt. They have literally a bunch of people that they pay to do that. But no, Hulk Hogan, and you can say he was just carried away. You can say he was, like, overly emotional, whatever. I don't know, because we just talked about how Hulk Hogan barely feels emotions the way other people do. But for whatever reason, he picks up Liz he carries her to the back. By the way, if you think someone is injured, don't roughly like scoop her off the floor. <laughs> That's a terrible idea. Um, he leaves. In, in his defense, he thought she was dead. <laughs> this is crazy because yes, he gets to the back. Uh, he meets with the medics. He gives them Liz. He still doesn't go back to the ring. He keeps going. He's like crying, and this is what you were talking about because it's the bad acting, and it almost ruins this, in my opinion. Yeah. It doesn't, yeah. but it's close. Yeah. He asks if she's breathing like a dude just fell on her. She's not <laughs> dead, you idiot. And this is where my notes careen in the other direction because I'm basically like, fuck you, Hulk Hogan. This really is your fault because now yeah. now you are not acting in a way that can be excused. You are being ridiculous and you are letting your friend, supposed friend, get just pulverized to a pulp out in the ring just because you have some kind of selfish weird thing going on. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> oh, oh, God. Okay, keep, keep going. I, I cannot keep my composure. <laughs> oh. So, oh, so Hogan is just, like, mooning over Miss Elizabeth as she lies on, like, a little stretcher or whatever, and he's crying, and wow, 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 he says Randy didn't mean it. Like he punched her in the face or something, as opposed to being thrown on top of her, obviously against his will. I don't know why he's even worried about Randy right now. Randy didn't mean it. Fuck you, Hulk Hogan. Yes. Oh, my God. Uh, and uh, Vince McMahon is, you know, more more shame to him because now he's sitting on commentary and he's like, well, thanks to Hulk Hogan, Miss Elizabeth is getting help. And I'm like, what? They couldn't have walked down to ringside and helped her? Like, shut up, Vince McMahon. This is no thanks to Hulk Hogan. He's the problem, and you are excusing him before even anyone accused him. You are just trying to run in here and run more interference for Hulk Hogan. Absolutely. I just drew three lines on a sheet of paper, and Hulk Hogan crosses all of them. <laughs> so uh, my first thing is, okay, I don't think he had – number one, like Miz fans said, don't pick her up because that might not be good for her. Let the professionals handle this. But he's in the moment, and he picks her up. Fine. He takes her halfway down the rampway where there's a stretcher because people are coming like they do, and he sits her on the stretcher. He lays her on the stretcher with the medics, and he's still in ringside. He's still down the ramp. So my first line is, like, why the hell – don't you turn around and go back to the ring now because there are medics. There is a stretcher. She is on her way. Instead, now Hulk Hogan, you know when he's lying because he's going to overdo it. He's going to overact. He's going to over narrate. Mm. So like here are medics with a stretcher. 
their only job and they're physically moving her to a doctor and Hulk Hogan is behind them saying, come on, we've got to find a doctor as if like they don't know where they're going unless he's narrating it. So he crossed the line with me when he when he left ringside and he's proving that he knows it with his narration. Uh, the second thing is then he's like praying over her and acting like she's dead. And I, I've got to believe, number one, there are doctors and medics and they didn't say she was dead. And you probably can see her breathing. I don't think you think she's dead. I think that's more bullshit. So that's line number two telling me again that you know what you're doing. But then line number three, the most disgusting thing maybe in this segment is hearing him go from like his praying for her to Randy didn't mean it. I swear he didn't. Oh my God. He's still in the ring. I had to bring you back. <laughs> that That's his whole. So I don't know what you're trying to do. I don't know because I know you don't want to be with Elizabeth. I, you don't want to be with her in a relationship and you don't want her as a manager and history and time is going to prove that. So the only thing I can really think is not only do you want to blow up the mega powers, not be blamed for it and take the world title. But, you know, while you're at it, you might as well blow up Randy Savage and Elizabeth as well. (laughs) I can't get over Randy didn't mean it. Where did that even come from? The way he throws that in there over and over again. You don't say that that much unless you want her to think maybe Randy did mean it, which doesn't even make sense. Yes. In the first place. Oh, man. <laughs> but it also goes with, like, he's in the ring. I had to bring Because, like, whether you meant it or not, like, he's not here. So, either way, you're burying Randy Savage. Yeah. Um, and then I've got to say this. Again, I said it last month. But I think one of the most important and pivotal characters in the history of all of professional wrestling will be the Sid Justice character. A man who comes with the gimmick, justice will be served, because we talked about at the Royal Rumble, Hulk Hogan doing the very shit to Randy Savage that he's going to try to pull, and karma's finally going to catch him in 1992. Well, guess what? Hulk Hogan and Sid Justice are going to make up after Sid Justice has kind of already turned heel, and then they're going to be in a tag match together, and what is Sid going to do? He's going to refuse to take the tag and walk out and leave Hulk Hogan by himself to wrestle two people. So both things that Hulk Hogan does to Randy Savage while he has no idea what he's doing. Karma is going to come back in the same year in the same man who comes in with the gimmick. Justice will be served. And all of this is going to turn on Hulk Hogan in a way that he would never have been able to predict. So. You know, keep keep doing what you can do in 89, buddy, because it's not lasting. <laughs> and as we will see, even with all of that uh, karma and justice, Hulk Hogan is still just going to prevail over yes. everything. So there there is no ultimate justice for Hulk Hogan, at least not until he becomes Hollywood and just finally owns that he's a piece of shit. So. <laughs> the funny thing in all of this is Hogan does all this shit, and when Liz finally wakes up enough to be awake, what she says is, like, go to the ring and help Randy. Yeah, even. <laughs> Liz knows that Hogan is not behaving appropriately here. That's the thing. Yeah, she wakes up. She's clearly all right. And he's still back there for, like, a long time, just, like, talking to her. Um, Oh, my God. Hogan. Randy Savage. uh, All right, I'm going to talk about that later. Okay, so Hogan finally goes back to the ring as as, uh, Jesse Ventura points out, hey, guess what? Miss Elizabeth was a huge detriment to this team, just Mm. like we said all along. And he's right, of course, 
because here's Randy Savage turned into a pulp, basically. Like, he's been crushed into a bag of bruises and bones by uh, fighting these two enormous guys all by himself for all this time. And it was a long time, let me tell you. At last, Hogan gets back to ringside. Sorry, are you going to say something? No, Hogan... Above all, Randy Savage has been in there by himself with all this on his mind while Hulk Hogan does that. And then when Hulk Hogan comes back out of the curtain, he gets a hero's welcome from the crowd. Oh, my God. Well, these people, they just want to see Hogan, and that's been true all along. They'll see Hogan in any context. So if you're a Hulkamaniac, I guess that's what you're all about. you got to come or you're going to be feeling his pain. So I I get it. You know, you're sort of uh, obligated by the cult. But so Hogan finally gets back to ring and now he wants to tag in and i'm just mm-hmm. thinking fuck this guy you could have <laughs> been here this whole time and now you want to come in and you want to be the hero and you want to tag in so randy savage does the most understandable thing in the world he finally gets away from the twin towers he comes to hogan and he does tag him in by slapping him in his stupid face Oh my god, Savage goes out to the floor and his body language is totally like, what the fuck, man, what are you gonna do now, you know, <laughs> now I'm leaving, huh, okay, What? see how you like it, oh my god, the most uh, natural reaction in the world, of course, Vince McMahon is flabbergasted, he can't think of one reason that Randy <laughs> Savage should be upset with Hulk Hogan, Oh my god, this is, it's crazy what they want you to believe about this feud. Yeah, we gotta quickly pass a, pass a law. Well, it turns out now that if you leave your partner, that is a heel move. Like, that has just come down the line. Oh, <laughs> uh, good for Randy Savage. And he plays it out, and he keeps, this is the great thing, like, Hulk Hogan's kind of reaching out, he still needs a tag, you know, somehow not understanding that Savage being on the floor and slapping him probably means you're not getting a tag. And so when Savage is pointing at Hogan, if their hands come close, Savage rips his hand away to make sure there's no physical contact so there cannot be a tag. <laughs> well, I can't blame him. He's not getting back in there. He spent 10 minutes yeah. getting just squashed <laughs> by two super heavyweights. So, man, <laughs> he has every right to say, fuck this, in my opinion, for God's sake. Uh, and you know what's what's additionally ridiculous is that Hulk Hogan will still win this match, so there is never any reason for Randy Savage to be here in the first place. Mm. And then after the match, he even handcuffs Slick and Big Boss Man together somehow and beats them up before leaving. So Hulk Hogan, you never needed help. You always had the power by yourself. You could have just let Randy Savage go to the back, and you could have just stood out here and just won by yourself and never bothered anyone in the first place. So I don't know what the hell you were doing. You know, there there is some blame on both sides, but you have captured the lion's share at the yeah. finish line, you fucking asshole. Yeah, because now I'm even thinking about something we said so long ago that, you know, Hulk Hogan has that jetpack and he hulks up, but all that power comes from the relationship, according to him, comes from the relationship with the Hulkamaniacs. And then we said kind of, Savage doesn't really have that relationship. Liz is his Hulkamaniacs, and they say it on camera, Liz is his inspiration. So Hulk Hogan will come back and Hulk up and beat them by himself with the help of the Hulkamaniacs. But when Hulk Hogan left Randy Savage by himself, he also took away the thing that would allow Randy Savage to be able to do that. 
Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's not enough that Hulk Hogan has his own support system. He has to have Randy Savage's support system also. And <laughs> it's an amazing. So there's no way for Savage to handle his business. But when Hulk Hogan comes back, he can be like, well, brother, here's what you had to do the whole time. All you had to do was take care of this while I was taking care of that. And here's how you do it. Right. And this is what I'm talking about before is Hulk Hogan doesn't interpret these things the same way, you know, but... Then again, when Randy Savage does leave him, he does get pissed. So maybe you can't yeah. understand, buddy. You just thought you had a better reason for it, but you didn't because it's not your job to resuscitate Miss Elizabeth, who was fine anyway, for God's yep. sake. Oh, my God. And riddle me this. Why is it that anytime Hulk Hogan is building a feud and it's about himself, he is one of the most convincing promos to ever do it in the business and anytime he's supposed to show emotion to anybody that's not himself, he's the worst actor who has ever been anywhere in the space of acting. <laughs> that's a good question. Yeah, his acting deserves a lot of... Um, he's going to do... Uh, it'll be a little better in the segment that we're coming to. But yeah, like I said, he, he almost ruined it with just his melodramatic overacting. Yeah. <laughs> and it feels like we're a thousand years away from uh, the reaction he had to Andre's turn, which was actually incredibly good yeah um and now we have this and yeah, i don't know he's practicing for no holds barred or something because yeah <laughs> just like oh really ridiculous randy savage is about to help him understand what's going on <laughs> <laughs> oh you got that right so randy savage is back with liz she's still on her little stretcher or whatever he's telling her i'm the world champion i need to be number one if it weren't for hogan you wouldn't have been in this position anyway this position to get hurt like you were Hogan shows up, he demands an explanation, um, which is crazy that he even has to demand mm. that, because uh, Hogan should have come back and be like, I'm sorry I abandoned you that whole time, I thought I was doing the right thing, but I should have been there for you, because Liz is fine, but no, he, he wants that explanation, they're getting heated, Randy Savage says, Hogan has jealous eyes, he says he was carrying Hogan, he refuses to be number three in the Mega Powers, because he is number one. Savage says, Hogan, you never asked me for a title shot because you know you can't beat me. And this segment was pure fire. There's no bad acting here because Savage no. is exploding all over Hogan and saying that he has lust for Elizabeth. Mm. Oh, man. Savage, this is incredible on Savage's part here. This is Savage selling every human being on WrestleMania five, and they haven't even officially set it up yet. <laughs> This is one of the best promos I've ever seen in the entirety of my life. Absolutely. There was almost no way for this to come over well because it, it is almost like a soap opera style thing. And they're not, a lot of soap opera actors don't do it well. And you're not a soap opera actor. But I will tell you where this begins because Randy Savage has played Hulk Hogan's game of rhetoric and politics for a year. And he's lost every single time. And we've talked about it, that he has been like still paralyzed, unable to move. Well, Hulk Hogan comes back and says, What's wrong with you? And Randy Savage is already moving around Elizabeth on the, towards Hulk Hogan. Like he does not answer. He moves towards Hulk Hogan. So Randy Savage is reinstating motion. He is reinstating fire. He is reinstating who he is. And the things that he says to Hulk Hogan, like Miss Fans already covered it, the jealous eyes, the lust in your eyes. He says, it makes me sick. It turns my stomach in two. He grabs Hulk Hogan by the chin and holds Hulk Hogan's face while he's talking to him. And he is letting him know 
You know what? You've won every narrative. You've won every bit of rhetoric. You've won every bit of politics. But man to man, you never asked me for a title shot. And I'm standing here with you and I'm grabbing you by the face and you're not doing anything. So he pretty much is calling Hulk Hogan for the worst of what Hulk Hogan is. They call this storyline the Mega Powers Explode. And if you've ever watched an explosion in like slow motion, if you've seen a video of that, you'll see the way that that explosion unfurls how it just like blossoms mm. out and you you couldn't have picked a better name for this feud as you watch this moment because what i'm seeing before my eyes is randy savage who has kept his fire low who has kept it stuck in the the fireplace or wherever you want to say that he kept it and here finally it is exploding we are seeing the fires of uh his his previous persona exploding outward, unfurling, blossoming, engulfing Hulk Hogan. He is, as you said, reinstating that movement. He is emotionally and physically and energetically surrounding Hulk Hogan and enveloping the whole room with this attitude. It's incredible to see. He is not paralyzed anymore. He is not motionless anymore. Randy Savage is exploding back into who he is. Yeah. And he covers every base. Like, he lets him know, like, you're jealous and you wanted to be world champion. And pretty much saying, that's one thing. I understood that. I saw that. Don't think I didn't. But then I also saw second what you were trying to do. And that made me even, like, I just I pull back the other notes again because it's just that good. Uh, it made me sick to my, it turned my guts into. And the thing is, he's saying the worst thing is what you did with Elizabeth beyond the world title. And then Hulk Hogan's way to make this right is to turn to Elizabeth and tell her to tell Randy Savage that he's out of line. And the moment he does that, Randy Savage walks off. is like, I'm done with this. Fuck this shit. And then he comes running back with that world title and places it right into the head of Hulk Hogan. Yeah. Yeah, he puts all that energy in motion to good use as he just rockets back in the frame and knocks out Hulk Hogan with that championship belt. He says he's going to show Hogan what the madness is all about. Oh, man. And Liz, Liz goes to Hogan, and Savage says he's going to splatter her all over mm. Hulk Hogan, which was a holy shit moment to me, and I've even seen this before. But, man, just the energy of it. Again, the violation of the sacred space. Oh, it's, um, it's so shocking. It provokes a reaction. Randy Savage roughly throws Miss Elizabeth mm. aside. And uh, I think he would have splattered Hulk Hogan all over the floor, but a uh, guy that... <laughs> yeah. Brutus Beefcake shows <laughs> up, the true love of Hogan's life, and uh, he, he's here to object to this union. Oh, no, I'm sorry. He's here to help Hulk Hogan not get uh, splattered. Oh, man. <sighs> the, the Savage knocks him around as well as it should be. The officials all run in. Randy Savage trashes the room as Hulk Hogan struggles on the floor. Hulk Hogan is just muttering to himself that Savage is wrong. And, man, this is an emotional, chaotic scene. Oh, and the way it just all overflows is amazing. It is. So many times, I think, we're watching some amazing things, and then we can bring even more to it because we can, like, turn it all different ways. I can't even get to the level Randy Savage was on, even having all these advantages of being able to talk about this. You have to watch it for yourself. It is hard to watch, as it should be. Uh, it is also 
Here's the thing. It's the only thing that Randy Savage can do. Hmm. Like, if he's not going to keep on being still and being playing Brutus Beefcake to Hulk Hogan and watching Hogan do whatever he wants with the belt, with the narrative, with Liz, hmm. the only thing a Randy Savage can do is to get rid of not just Hulk Hogan, but Hulk Hogan and Elizabeth. And pretty much he's also getting rid of the WWF title. And I think there's probably part of him that knows it, not in that moment, but beyond it. But Randy Savage is choosing right now. I would rather blow all of this up and see it all go to hell than to keep standing here and watch you, everyone just do everything around me and tell me that I'm not seeing anything. Mm-hmm. If you've yeah. ever been stuck in a, a relationship or a friendship or something, and we talked about this before, we had a moment, a very lonely moment where Savage kind of knew everything was going wrong, but he stayed in it. He tried to make it in those relationships as well. When you know everything's going wrong, eventually eventually it's going to fall apart and every bad thought you had and every suspicion you had is going to bubble up to the surface because you've seen or you think you've seen something that proves you were in the right all along and it all just blows out of you here a whole year of stuff just coming out of randy savage a year of not being himself of doubting himself of trying to change himself of trying to seek some kind of new normal for himself that's going to be a better place and finding out that it was a lie that space is already occupied and there's no room for him it all just comes crashing down in this moment it all blows sky high and it's just it's an incredible moment that i think anyone can relate to anyone can feel some aspect of this moment and that really makes it incredible that already occupied. I wrote down Savage definitely was not healed the whole time. We can argue what he was subconsciously, like what his authentic self is, but this man tried and tried and tried, and what he found out is what Ms. Van just said. The space is already occupied. There's nowhere for you, and that's why he's responding like this. And I will just say with the numbers, we start this show with this is the triangle of love. Uh, Gene Arcolin and Hulk Hogan so proudly put forth. So at the beginning of the show, there are three. And then there are two when it's Hulk Hogan and Liz in the back. And then we're going to take two and turn it into one because Randy Savage, that line, I'm going to splatter you right on him, is saying you guys want to be one. You want to run off together. You want to be together. You want to merge. and You want to push me over to the side. Well, guess what? You're going to be one, but I'm going to be the one who does it. And it's going to be not in the way that you anticipated. Yeah, sure. And that's (laughs) the... If anybody knows anything about the fear of rejection, they know that eventually people who have that fear will be strongly tempted to blow up the relationship before the other person can do it. And I think as hard as Randy Savage tried, he couldn't sit here and feel that he was betrayed anymore. You could say he was or say he wasn't, but the feeling of that is so strong. And you see in this moment, Randy Savage rejects everybody. He rejects Hogan. He even rejects Liz. He blows it all up. He makes it something that you cannot easily come back from. And it's going to take years to put this all back together. That's the staggering thing. And that is why I would stay in errors like this forever if I could. Because mm-hmm. if, if in a month or maybe even six months, all this came back and was right again, it takes away so much of what we're watching. But we know how hard this thing is going to go we know what it's going to take for randy savage to be reunited it's going to cost him his livelihood it's going to cost him everything and it's going to be a long ways down the road 
and what's so authentic. Like Ms. Fan said, you can blame Hogan and Liz or not blame them. You can blame Savage or not blame him. But the fact of the matter is, is that Randy Savage got ahead of what he thought the narrative was, and he blew it up. So it's going to be Savage who's almost going to whimper back in the end. But for a long, long time, I think it would be Savage who would reject them more than they would reject him because Randy Savage is done with this. And you look at it and, yeah, I mean, God forbid, uh, perhaps in a modern era, they could have wrestled like a hundred times in the next year or they uh, could have, one of them could have turned again because everyone's got to turn so fast now and they could have teamed up again. And, you know, maybe we just don't talk about this. You know, it couldn't possibly happen in this era. There's such weight to this stuff. It will be more than two years before Savage can stand next to Miss Elizabeth again and he will have to hit rock bottom and lose everything to get to that point it will be god i think not till starcade where he and hogan can stand next to each other again in any form and even then randy savage says i don't know if i will shake his hand or i will slap his face you know even then even then i think he's still not sure that he's over it and i don't know that he is over it because they always have they will always have this love-hate relationship even far far down the road to the end of their lives really to the Mm -hmm. end of savage's life yeah God, and then you got this image of Bruce Beefcake running in like a fucking maniac. It's none of your goddamn business, number one. Number two, what you see in here is this is what Randy said. If you don't want the mega powers to explode, this was the other option. Randy Savage could beat Bruce Beefcake, and that means surrendering the belt. That means probably even if you keep on dating Liz and Hogan doesn't even want to date her, still make it secondary. Like she still is more worried about Hulk Hogan because he's he's more important than you. And the fact is, Bruce Beefcake can be that because that is the best it's ever going to get for Bruce Beefcake. But to ask Randy Savage, not only to ask Randy Savage to do it, but to ask him to do it when he is currently the world champion and you are not. There's an abomination that is within that, and Brutus running in is the visualization of what Randy Savage would have had to be for this not to blow up. And then listening to you talk, I think Savage comes in. Is it Starcade '94 where he comes in? It is, yeah. So he comes in still mad. I'm gonna slap your face or shake your hand on the night where Hulk Hogan is wrestling who Brutus Beefcake. So even that doesn't work out. So there's got to be a point where we got to say. Hulk Hogan, yes, this is more complicated than we might have said, but you need to look in the mirror because even Brutus Beefcake is going to turn on you. So there is something that is not right. But again, Hulk Hogan's going to have a reckoning in 92, and then he's going to have a reckoning in 96. So all of this stuff is in narrative together beyond the same people even booking it. Absolutely. Those are amazing points. But I just want to say this. Randy Savage exposed himself to being little buddied here without Hulk Hogan even helping because it's WrestleMania four Hulk Hogan's out of the tournament and Randy Savage is already presenting himself as being secondary to Hulk Hogan. And he never escaped that. And Hulk Hogan helped it along for sure. But Randy Savage, nobody held a gun to his head and made him wear mega powers tights when Hogan was not bothering anymore. Nobody forced him to be in this role. So at some point, to some degree, he is the one who exposed himself to this situation. So even though, as I said, the lion's share sits with Hulk Hogan and his inappropriate behavior, Randy Savage absolutely let himself get into this bad situation. 
Thank you for saying that. Um, that is, I think, the strength of this show is at least an attempt to get to everything because we had come back to that again and again and again and again. And if you took that away, it would almost be the narrative I thought it would be. But isn't that funny that when you're not yet that person, like he's willing to, Randy Savage is willing to go out of his way to place himself in the very role that he is going to hate being in later because his pride looks attractive. Like when you've never stood on that level, standing next to Hulk Hogan, even if you are a little buddy, probably looks like the most attractive thing in the world. And also add into the fact that Randy Savage is a jealous person. So he has some kind of inferiority complex. So you're offering to be the second best thing. And then somehow you're going to be upset when you end up being the second best thing. It's uh, it's such a sad story because I, I, I really do believe, at least in my head, I, I won't be able to shake this, that Randy Savage basically wanted to become Hulk Hogan or like Hulk Hogan. Specifically, he wanted to throw away his empath status, his highly sensitive status. Mm-hmm. He wanted to become a guy who was so secure that he couldn't be touched by anything. So at WrestleMania 4, in that moment... We know Randy Savage reacts in the moment. He's trying to be a different kind of person. He's probably thinking in his head, what would Hulk Hogan say? He would probably say something good, something honorable. So I'm going to give honor Mm. to Hulk Hogan and show that I'm kind of doing the right thing. And yet it doesn't work for him like it works for Hulk Hogan. And in the end, he can't become that thing that he wanted to be. He can't find that peace. And we see here the result of him trying to become that thing of holding down all his fire of paralyzing his movement. It just means it's going to explode out a hundred times more when it finally breaks. God, that's so good. That is a deep, 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 deep reading. I hope folks heard that at home. My God, that's good. I think about this. So people that have researched um, highly sensitive temperament, which scientific term, I think is sensory processing, sensitive, sensory processing. I used to know this, but it's a scientific term for it. But the idea, too, is that if you are a highly sensitive person and you are raised in a home where people honor that, then you you don't know anything except to embody it and to use it in a gift and to flow and live with it. And that's like Randy Savage in motion or that's Hulk Hogan hulking up. Like it's, it's a thing that you it just embodies you and you run and act in it. But if you are a highly sensitive person who comes up in trauma, you the studies have shown that the trauma is even worse on you and it inverts the thing. And really what Randy Savage looks like, if we want to talk about it in this context, he looks like an HSP who came out of trauma and this thing has been inverted and it's playing against him and it's keeping him out of motion. Yeah, the more I think of Randy Savage's story, the more it does make me sad because this is a guy who I think was vulnerable and exposed to every kind of hurt that he could receive at all times. And, um, and yeah, on the other side, you have Hulk Hogan, who can't be hurt by anything, not by emotions or physical attacks or anything. I mean, even if you look at their real lives, wrestling has, like, balled up Hulk Hogan and thrown him away more times than I can count, and yet yeah. it has no effect on him, you know? He, he just comes back just the same. He hulks up in life as in character and just overcomes things, which would just destroy other people many times over. And uh, Savage, uh, he just never had that ability. You know, he was a guy who who had to live raw and be exposed to this stuff. And uh, it made him who he is. But I think it also brought him a lot of trouble, both in and out of characters. So it's uh, it's just a sad story. 
And it's not to say Randy Savage never never misbehaved himself. He, he misbehaved in many, many yeah. bad ways that you can't really excuse. But still, there's a tragic element to his story. Yeah, and that's where we're at right now. And when you feel like that, it's like your entire body is a giant bruise. Mm-hmm. So think about like that bruise. And then think about somebody just coming around and poking, poking, and poking. And Hulk Hogan, that's what Hulk Hogan's done for a year. And everything is so predictable and so tragic at the same time. Mm. You know, who couldn't have seen this coming other than Hulk Hogan, bless his beautiful, pure heart. But most of us could see what was going to come. And it happened. And how is it that I can be someone who was never really a fan of the mega powers? Like, oh, my God, put Savage and Hogan together and let me baby face monsters. And yet I can sit here sad, feel like I and feel like I'm mourning something when they when they come apart. Yeah, yeah, it is sad because I really do believe all Savage really wanted was not to feel the way he felt anymore. He wanted to learn that from Hulk Hogan, but it's not something you can learn. Savage mm, is going to have to live in his uh in his pain. That is so. Uh, yeah, you can't learn it, and I think too that's the thing when you're that perceptive. You're an easy learner, like you're the ultimate student because you pick up on things, but the things that you can't learn, you cannot learn. And that's the that's the thing with Hulk Hogan, like God bless whatever temperament you were born with and God bless whatever. But but like how he presents it rhetorically is, oh, I just put on the red and yellow or I just put a cross around my neck, brother, and I just keep it out and I just keep it aside and I just overcome it. So like he could lay the steps like train, say your prayers, take your vitamins. Well, a lot of people could train, say their prayers, take their vitamins. A lot of people could wear a cross. A lot of people could wear red and yellow. But there are a lot of people who would not even be in the situations that Hogan or Savage are in when they get knocked down because life hurts so much that we can look ahead and say, if I put myself out there, even if my attempt is good, people are going to destroy me. People are going to tear me down. And we don't even take the first step in order to get knocked down because that's too much. And so God bless all of them. God, God bless all of them who are in the arena, because I think about a hard week at work and then being able to come here and watch people who are in the arena. So God bless all of them. But still, even amongst all of them, Hulk Hogan is not receiving this stuff like someone else is. You can't take notes. You can't stand beside him. You can't do super duper handshake. And it's transferred into you. And I think Randy Savage had to find that out the long and the hard way. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to be really interested when we see Randy Savage as a babyface again because he is going to come back to that. He's going to spend a considerable amount of time in that. What is going to be different in that time as opposed to this time? Because I have a sense that he had a little bit more peace that time. But why is that? I don't know. We're going to have to see it. So maybe we'll put some uh, happy element to uh, some of Randy Savage's career here. Yeah, I think one thing I want to look for is yeah, he's going to be world champion again, but he won't even win the belt in the main event of WrestleMania. So, mm. you know, is there almost a thing where it's just like, I want to be the best I can be, but I'm never going to be that thing. And I'm OK with that. And like just keep, you know, like, I don't know yet what it's going to be, but this is very storied. I, I started the series to see the storied career of Randy Savage because I thought, wasn't that like one of the best stories ever? But I just forgot because nobody can talk about it. <laughs> and yeah, actually, it is. So, yeah, actually, it is. I also really want to look at how important is the fact that he's, he is going to lose everything before he can make that change. Because he never, you know, this time when he turned face, he never really lost anything. 
you know, he was turned face almost by circumstances. Um, and, uh, they say that you kind of have to hit rock bottom to really make a change. So how important is that in the way Randy Savage's emotions and personality evolve? How much peace does it grant Randy Savage to know that he did lose everything and he came back again and he was still okay? How much does that give you? I don't know. That's very fascinating to me in wrestling and in life stories like that. So I got to watch that real closely. Yeah. And here's one more just for consideration because Randy Savage kind of presented himself to the, to the, to the fans saying, I'll be a baby face too if you'll have me. And I, yeah, I'm insecure and maybe I'm not doing it directly. And the fans kind of said, you know what? If you want to tag along with Hulk Hogan, fine, but we don't accept you. Hulk Hogan made it clear. No, we didn't really accept you, brother. We're just, it's always been me the whole time. So the funny thing is, Randy Savage is going to lose everything and be retired, and the fans themselves are going to start a campaign, sending in letters, reinstate the Macho Man. So I wonder what the difference is that the fans are going to reach out and show him, like, we want you and we need you the second time versus kind of the opposite of it the first time. Absolutely so. Not to mention the year of 1992, which after WrestleMania is, I believe, totally devoid of Hulk Hogan and features a lot of Randy Savage. So what does Randy Savage look like in one of the only times when he was genuinely separated from Hulk Hogan? I really want to know that as well. And it's funny how much anytime Hogan goes to make a movie, all of a sudden WWF values Randy Savage. (laughs) (laughs) It's very true. But again, we talked about Hogan receives the world differently and people around Hogan receive it differently in a way too, because uh, we really can't stress enough. Like we've said, Hulk Hogan is just on another level, and that's something we've had to admit, even though we love Randy Savage a lot more. But, like, there's a reason. You'd be nuts not to go with Hogan over Savage, as much as it hurts to say. Yeah, it is hard to say. And then the other thing, we just keep going back and forth, and we're like, oh, they're all over the places, because guess what life is and all of this is. But one of the first storylines I ever saw in WWF was Hogan, or was Savage and Flair. And Flair... Even I knew as a kid, like, oh, this guy is a heel, he's dirty, he's bad, he's a horrible human being. And why is that? Because he tried to use the relationship of Liz and Randy Savage to get at Randy Savage instead of just, like, wrestling him. So pretty much, Ric Flair did what Hulk Hogan did a few years earlier. (laughs) (laughs) You're not wrong. Oh, man. Okay, all right. We go back to ringside. Jesse Ventura is the first to call this breakup an explosion. As I said, that's an extremely extremely fitting term. Uh, Vince McMahon says he can't fathom Savage's comments. So even now I have expected him to still say there's no problem with the mega powers, <laughs> you know, just, uh, yeah. the way, the way you can deny reality. Uh, Gene Oakland is backstage. He is near Hulk Hogan, but he cannot interview him right now due to his mental state. This is exactly what I noted earlier though. Vince McMahon I can't fathom is like, I don't know what, where the hell that came from. And Hulk Hogan, we can't talk to him because of his mental state. So they're setting up this whole thing that is counter reality. You know, like, dear God, let's question where Randy Savage's mental state is if we want to play that game because, like, well, Hulk Hogan has someone turn on him, which happens like every other week. But again, it's this thing of like, where the hell did that come from? Jesse, you need to leave the booth for a moment. Go interview somebody so I can talk about how, like, oh, nobody saw that coming. Oh, wow. Yeah. You gotta yeah. be impressed, though, that the WWF, they learned their lesson very well, because what are the three of the most successful feuds that made them rich beyond, like, their wildest dreams? Orndorff, Andre, Savage, what do they all have in common? 
all three of them turned on Hulk Hogan, and all three of them didn't do it on a whim. They did it based on, like, the weight of history and character and everything that was going on with them. So, you know, bravo, lesson learned well. At some point, it's going to become a cliche. It's not going to work as well anymore. But, man, this trio of feuds, they're beautiful feuds, man. I love them. They are. This is is top-notch storytelling for the history books. And it's one thing that was props to the warrior for being so singular and stupid where you just run around because, you know, there was no way to turn him because like he, you know, he, he doesn't have the like agency and humanity to make a turn. So Hulk Hogan couldn't play that game. Uh, next, next up. And here's, here's something I never thought of before, but ultimate warrior due to his character and due to his temperament and his talents, whatever you want to say was basically incapable of making relationships with other wrestlers <laughs> Like, I don't know if he ever had a unique relationship with any wrestler, so there's no way anybody can turn on him because he doesn't have friends in the first place because he's from the fourth dimension or whatever. (laughs) You know, there's no way that he can have these relational moments which make a character richer. You know, surely this has some part of the reason why Ultimate Warrior is eventually going to fail as a world champion. I don't know. I just thought of that. I never thought of it before, but it it rings true to me. I think that's right. I think that's why... He could rise to the top, and I also think it's why he could not stay at the top. Yeah, yeah. I think they'll be the ultimate maniacs or something. There's going to be a Randy Savage Ultimate Warrior team for a short time. It'll be interesting to see what that's like. For a very short time, and it will not be interesting like you think it will be. So Yeah, and then right before Warrior runs away another time, he's in a six-man with Ahmed Johnson and Shawn Michaels, and it looks like they might be setting up like a Shawn Michaels Ultimate <laughs> Warrior. So he never stays around long enough, but... I wonder what would have happened in some of those cases if he did. I'll say one of the only really interesting Ultimate Warrior things, and there aren't many for me because I'm not a fan. I've said it many times, but uh, you're going to respond to this, I think, too. His relationship with Jake Roberts that yes. he creates just before he leaves the WWF, that is far and away one of the most interesting things that the WWF did in this whole period, maybe ever. So the one time he had like a brief relational moment it was a lot more interesting. Um, I don't know if he could have sustained it. God knows. I don't think I wanted to see those matches, Jake and the Warrior. But the feud, uh, you know, the setup for it, the inciting incident was uh, incredibly well done. So we're going to take a close look at that when we get to it. It's also because of The Undertaker, too, though, because yeah, yeah. that's a guy who, especially at that time, is not a human being. So the Ultimate Warrior is actually meeting something that is more like him. Mm-hmm. And then that that turns him sideways like no human being can. For sure. I want to talk more, not right now, we're going to move on, but relationships in wrestling are so important and so valuable, and uh, I think that's why, even though Jake's matches are not always very exciting, uh, it's why I do gravitate to him a lot, because in addition to being a great promo and, uh, you know, having whatever amount of psychology, he is great at creating these relational um, moments We've talked about it with Andre that he's done with Rick Rudy had that whole thing. He's going to have a lot more coming on. So it's good. And it's in this next match, too, because we're talking about Ted and Hercules. And we know what their relationship is because they had that inciting moment. And that helps create relationships. And it's just all these great building blocks in this period. It's so great. I love it. It is relationally, you know. That's what carried us through so much of WCW, too, like Sting and Luger, Savage and Hogan and, like, Flair and a lot of people. It's just... Again, there's so many ways that when you say history doesn't matter and you don't have to keep up with it and you don't have to tell story consistently, then just blow the whole, just burn the whole thing down because there ain't <laughs> nothing going on there. Because you got to, 
this is where it's, this is where the rewards come. Even this match, like, this is the worst match to be placed in a segment in the history of wrestling, and it's even hard to watch because there's so much emotion. But because it is this story in these wrestlers, it can at least survive there, uh, even though it is maybe the worst place in, placement in almost all of wrestling history. Yeah, yeah. Poor, poor Ted and Hercules, who are up next. They they have a very difficult task to perform here, but. They do it admirably, you know, they, yes. they, they do a great job here, and uh, I think that's not surprising to anybody who knows how much we like these guys, but even so, it's very good stuff. It is, it, Hercules goes right at him, as we know that he will, he's taking on Virgil, he's taking on Ted DiBiase, he's going to hit that nice snap power slam uh, in this matchup, and we'll go... <laughs> I wonder, I asked the question here, is the, is the torture rack the costliest finisher in the history of wrestling? <laughs> it's kind of an arrogant finisher. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it, it's difficult to uh, apply. It leaves you vulnerable in ways that other moves do yes. not. Um, it's it's a move I think you can only think about using if you're not only, like, very strong and very muscular, but also kind of arrogant about it. So, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a finisher that... Uh, that that kind of costs you something because yeah here too it costs him in this match. Yeah, they set up a chain. They use that. Shockingly, he uses the chain on DiBiase and DiBiase kicks out, which wows uh, me and Jesse and Chara's uh, having one of his moments of that's that can't really happen now. Come on, guys, rein it in. And he puts <laughs> that torture rack on, but there's outside interference, which again you leave yourself vulnerable. Uh, DiBiase's going to get the roll up. He's going to grab some tights, and Ted DiBiase is going to leave this match up victorious. Over Hercules, who of course does the babyface thing and just keeps on fighting, attacks them, runs them out of the building, swings his chain over his head as if he didn't lose the match. <laughs> so he's got that part of being a babyface down pat, at least. Yes, um, that's the easiest yeah, no. part to learn. <laughs> yeah, this is a very nice match. I'll say, uh, obviously, the angle that happened before totally overshadows it, but just in terms of like the actual action, I probably like yes. it better than the match before. You know, it's 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 pretty good. Um, for what it is, you do get Ted with like the nice bumping, you get Herc doing the cool like strength spots, he does a military press and all that, and again, uh, just reminds me that yeah, he could have been Ultimate Warrior, probably would have done a better job, but um, you know, that's just me. So the matchup is in the same frame as like the Ric Flair matches, the Ric Flair Luger matches. It's kind of a mini version of that, mm-hmm. so I can watch those all day. So I'm good with it. Absolutely. So I am surprised that. You'd think this feud would just go to WrestleMania since it already made it this far, but it's not. These two are going to be uh, separated on that card. Um, so, yeah. Do you know who Hercules is wrestling? Oh, Hercules is wrestling somebody, I hope. Let me look it up again. I just said it over. I really got, I get the feeling that the most offensive thing Hercules could do is get over because it just feels like <laughs> it's not their plan to long-term like give him a lot of like fuel. For sure. Uh, he's going to wrestle Haku, so it's still related to this. He kind of goes back to Bobby Heenan instead of uh, Ted. Okay. And poor Ted, he gets saddled with that um, that walk behind her we were talking about, Brutus Beefcake. So, wow. Yeah, too bad for Ted. That makes no that makes no. I don't, I don't know that. how that's going to come about, if there's even a feud with that. I don't know. That definitely seems random. Pretty much when you buy someone and make them uh, the slave, they should get a WrestleMania match out of it. They should not get a get pinned down the main event and then slowly fade out of the scene. <laughs> Indeed. I don't know. We got one more stop before this WrestleMania, but it's, it's kind of a weird one. It's got 14 matches on it, which I think is as much as uh WrestleMania four had. So I'm expecting 
more short matches. Um, and WrestleMania Five, you mean? Has that? Yes, many? yeah, that's okay. that's the one. Yeah, so um, I don't. We'll see when we get there. Before we do, we go backstage one more time where Hulk Hogan barges out of the medical room. He's calling for Randy Savage. Uh, Ventura criticizes the Mega Powers one more time, criticizes Hogan, saying, hey, the name of the game is wrestling. It's not about taking your manager to the back, which is very valid, I think. You know, it's not to dwell on it, but one of two things should have happened. Either both guys need to keep wrestling or both guys need to leave and just, like, call the match off, you know, if there's a big medical emergency. It can't just be one or the other. So Ventura says he saw it coming a long time ago, and he's right, because everyone told him he was wrong, that he was crazy, that he was warping things and imagining things, and uh, they were wrong. He was right. So suck it, baby faces. You don't understand human character at all. Um, (laughs) Backstage, Hogan throws things around. He's trying to find Randy Savage. And then, yeah, he roughs up Jim Neidhart. He roughs up Shawn Michaels, Mm -hmm. um, which is crazy. And, and menaces Bret Hart as well, who gets in his way. So what you said, the next stars of this uh, promotion get sort of threatened by Hulk Hogan for no good reason here. So it's sort of a weird connection. It's mind-blowing, because you would not know it. Shawn Ma- this is your future SummerSlam opponent in Shawn Michaels. <laughs> and with Bret Hart, the man who will forever hate you for not like passing the torch to him. So Yeah, the man know. who will uh, run away rather than face Bret Hart at SummerSlam 1993. I was just looking at, like, some promotional stuff they actually shot for that, for Brett versus Hogan at SummerSlam 93, which, of course, uh, will not happen. So, so yeah, two, two SummerSlam connections, uh, future years that you would never expect at this time. Yeah, I think the time it's like, get a bunch of little guys for Hulk Hogan to throw into the wall. Oh, we're, we're out of, like, people in suits and ties. Where are the Rockers and the Hart Foundation? <laughs> Oh man, yeah, strange moment for uh, for those who know their history. Yeah, Jesse Ventura says Hogan got everything he asked for, which again is a nice double meaning because <laughs> Jesse Ventura means like he got what he deserved, and and yeah, Hulk Hogan really is getting everything he's asked for in the best way as possible for Hulk Hogan. Oh, absolutely, yeah, he, he couldn't have asked for a better. I think I don't know if I said it on here, maybe I just said it on Twitter. Someone was comparing Sting and Hogan, and of course we all know Sting loves to be betrayed. He craves it. You know, he'll he'll show you his back so he can get stabbed. Hulk Hogan is more of a guy who will like manufacture a betrayal and then act yeah. offended. So it's a different dynamic, but still, you know, there is a similarity because you know that he's loving this. You know, now he has a reason to go to WrestleMania and to have that big money feud and uh, you know, I think he couldn't be happier deep down. Yeah, it's also things a cheap knockoff of Hulk Hogan. So that's <laughs> I mean, we know something. this. This is true. So. You know, and like you said, Hulk Hogan had these gigantic three feuds off betrayals, but even it lessened for him. So, like, Sting is trying to do it in a time that – this is like Luger, too. Like, they're trying to do Hulk Hogan stuff in a time where it's not even working for Hulk Hogan. Mm, yeah, absolutely so, so. Good luck. Good luck. Good point. All right, that's the end of our show. Before WrestleMania, we have one more stop. Another Saturday Night's Mayan event on this show. We have Hulk Hogan versus Bad News Brown. That should be interesting. Miss Elizabeth at the side of Hulk Hogan, so we'll talk about that. We have another Brain Busters versus Rockers match, so that should be exciting. I want to know if this is the one or if it's the other one that you watched when you were young, because you've talked about that a few times. We have the Brooklyn Brawler and the Red Rooster. We have wow. Owen Hart taking on Ted DiBiase. So that that should be very interesting. 
I doubt it will get the time it deserves, but I still want to see that very much. It's going to be an interesting show. Yeah, shout out to Primetime Wrestling and that bonus because I popped for that uh, Brawler uh, Rooster match, and I promise you I would not have otherwise. Right? It enhances this go-nowhere feud so much. This feud, you know, it's cursed because I really wonder, we're going to get to WrestleMania, and, you know, no spoilers, but Red Rooster's going to beat Bobby Heenan in about 30 seconds. And uh, Bobby Heenan's going to come into that match hurt because Ultimate Warrior is going to hurt him on the same night because he's a piece of shit. So I-, I wonder if more was possibly planned with this. And it can only go so far with the Red Rooster, but uh, I'll always wonder if there was something more planned because they gave it such a good buildup. And now it's sort of like a WrestleMania punchline, but I just don't know. I don't know. Oh, man, I don't know either. That's, it's fun to know that the possibility is there. And again, it's another reminder that when Bobby Heenan, like Hogan, Heenan, Andre, some of these people were at the top of the top of the top. And when they all went their separate ways, like they, they continued to influence whatever they were in at that same level and ability. Absolutely. Oh, man. All right. So we'll have all that. Maybe we'll have a little bit of bonus stuff. It depends on if Mystic has time or not because his life is crazy. Um, But, yeah, no, it should be very interesting. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, it's it's going to start hurting a little bit as far as this felt like the longest year at 88 and then going into 89. And now this thing's kind of almost over. So we, we got to enjoy it. And then we got to you know, move into the next phase, which if the next phase was like Savage win, the first phase or the last phase of Savage winning and then the Hogan Savage build, this is Hogan winning and then an eventual Hogan Warrior build. Yeah, and I got to say, credit to those who say 89 takes a bit of a downturn. I don't know if that's completely true, but not only are we coming up on Warrior, but we got to get through Zeus as well. So there's going to be, <laughs> there's gonna be a few things that we are excited. less excited about. What would you say? Isn't, isn't Beefcake in that tag match at SummerSlam? Yeah, yeah. Beefcake's going to step in and be the, um, the, the little buddy, the willing and able little buddy to <laughs> Hulk Hogan. So, you know. It might be the downturn, uh, at least a slight one. So it's, it's worth looking out for because I think I was always looking for it for a while, and it was like, this is never coming, so I kind of just forgot. <laughs> oh, it'll come eventually, but I know for sure there's some really good stuff that's still coming, so so we'll, we'll take the good with the bad, as we always do. Yeah, and we're in the last year of a decade, so it's only a right that there'll be some, I think – some some shake-ups because everybody always looks at these things whether they should or not like oh like wcw's gonna be who is the franchise or who's the wrestler going into the 1990s and weirdly enough wwf goes with warrior and wcw goes with sting so we have kind of painted ourselves into a corner with what pro wrestling is going to be going into the 1990s yep quite literally painted very nice yeah see what you did there Yes, yeah, so oh, we're gonna we're gonna get out of all this interiority, and we're just gonna go with like flashing the jacket you wear and the paint on your face. <laughs> yep, we're gonna add color literally and not figuratively. So. <laughs> yes. <laughs> all right, thank you everyone who listened. I think that's everything. Anything else that we want to talk about? No, I just think if if you're a fan of the Blade Runners, you you, you probably this is probably not your favorite podcast ever. <laughs> I cannot imagine we have one person who fits that description listening. So uh, if you are, you can shout me out on Twitter. I'm at Spectral Gents. Uh, give me a shout. Give me a follow. Tell me why singing Ultimate Warrior are the greatest things that ever happened to wrestling. And I will disagree, but I will listen to your points. Um, 
check us out on uh, lpforums.com. It's www.lpforums.com. You have to type that whole URL or just navigate through wrestlingheadlines.com, our main page. A lot of great written material on there. And definitely, not least, is all the great programs on LOP Radio, which you should definitely go listen to if you have the time and inclination. A lot of really wonderful stuff happening on our little channel here. That is everything. Next time will be the last stop on the road to WrestleMania 5. And what a crazy road it has been already. It's going to be some very good stuff. So until then, Mystic, take us home. Absolutely. Until next time, don't let the legacy be dictated to you. Rewatch, revisit, rewrite. Climbing on the mountainside You know that no one else believed me How about that? With green eyes and white stripes and salted tears I knew that these were just its cautionary features Keep telling myself nothing to fear just an undiscovered creature coming up to meet ya. He's the one that's scared. It's just an undiscovered creature coming up to meet ya. He's the one that's scared. The undiscovered creature. The undiscovered creature. I never saw this one in a herd of myth of it Looks like it came from underwater I thought I'd seen Every life form But there it is An undiscovered creature Coming up to meet ya He's the one that's scared It's just an undiscovered creature Coming up to meet ya He's the one that's scared Yeah.